This week on the Steam Machine Podcast, welcome back for part two of Yakuza. Welcome back for part two of Yakuza. Cue the music. and welcome back to another episode of the Steam Machine Podcast. My name is Dalton, and joining me as always are the Destructo Bros. What's up? It's Nate. Hey, it's Willie. How you doing? How you doing? doing? How you, how you doing? But doing, doing, doing. <laughs> yes, uh, how's, how's the last two weeks been on you, gentlemen? Pretty good, man. I've been playing a lot of Yakuza. It's been a pretty fun couple weeks, too. Like, um... Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Shredder's Revenge finally came out, so yeah, we got a group of six over on the Tadpog Discord together and played through the entire game. I got to be my boy Raphael, so it was a really fun time, but it's a, it's a really good game. I will say I've played it a little bit single player since then, too. It's a lot more fun with friends, and I think everybody kind of expected that from it. Yeah, it seems like one of those types that it would be like, get your buddies together and play through the game and experience it as the turtles and not just a turtle you know i mean that's the way i would look at it yeah it's really cool the online's pretty decent where you can have like play through arcade mode and story mode as a group so we did arcade mode when we first went through it but like one of the things is like you can in the story mode you can actually level your turtles up to gain new abilities and stuff which you can't get in the arcade mode but it's been harder to get groups together for something like that so i've been kind of grinding that on my own a little bit but it, it's pretty good dude i like it a lot like and then there's a secret unlockable character, too. So there's the four turtles, April O'Neil, Sh- Splinter, not Shredder, Splinter, and then one secret unlockable character, which I don't think anybody's surprised by who it is. <laughs> I was going to say, can I guess? Is it riding that train high on cocaine? <laughs> it absolutely Casey is. Jones better watch your speed. Yeah, I figured. Hell yeah, I would play as Casey Jones. I always thought he was a badass in the movies. Although, I did like, oh my god, I'm really bad with who's who. The one in the movie with the red, I think, it, the red... Raphael? Is that Raphael? Yeah. Is he the, is he the one in that movie that gets in the uh, the live action movie that I had on VHS back in the day? Kids of VHS is an old... Well, we'll get into that. <laughs> but 
It's the one that yells to the sky and he's like, damn. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I used to, I used to, oh man, that whole movie's great. I don't yeah. know how it holds up, but it's great. The one complaint I have is about the game is all the characters have an even stat spread. So like you can have three, two or one in a stat and each turtle has a total of six like bars in each stat. So like you can be like a three, two, one on strength, speed and um, distance. What's the word for that? Whatever. Reach. Range. Reach. Range. Reach. Yeah. Yeah. So you can have a three, two, one stat. Like you get, you get how that works, right? Casey yeah. Jones has seven. <laughs> it's not fair. It's the hockey mask. It adds a point. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so like, it just that's automatically like, makes Casey Jones the best character in the game for no reason. <laughs> well, I mean, how hard do you have her? <laughs> yeah, and how hard do you have to work to unlock him? Because not like, very hard. You just got to oh, beat the story well, mode. <laughs> oh well, then there you go. I was gonna say because if you have to put in some work, then it's like hell yeah. Now I have the powerful character. But yeah, my my buddy Danny used to always say, you know, your car has a certain amount of horsepower, but if you slap some stickers on there, each sticker adds five horsepower. It's true. It's true. And I figure that like hockey mask. That's like there's a lot of room for stickers on there, bro. He could be even more powerful. <laughs> There's a lot of horsepower in a hockey mask. <laughs> Hell yeah, there is. Just ask Jason Voorhees. <laughs> oh, you know what would be fun? A beat 'em up style game like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, but you play as the big serial killer guys from like the movies, like you know Jason, Freddy, Michael Myers, uh, Pinhead, like all these different. I mean, the guy from Scream. It could be a blast. Yeah, dude, I could just picture Freddy now. Be so good. <laughs> Yeah, dude. I can picture Jason just like shuffling along with his machete. And he's like slow, but he's got good range and strength. He's yep. just real slow. Freddy's fast with a little, like small range. Yeah, dude, it would be. The problem trademark. is, I'm imagining like a beat em up game, which makes me think of fighting games too. And I'm imagining a side scrolling Freddy, and I'm just thinking of Choi from King of Fighters. He's doing little <laughs> tornado spins and all that. He needs or, Chang uh, to help him out. He needs Chang. What's the creepy fucking guy from Soul Calibur? Uh, Voldo. Voldo. Yeah, I used to. I saw this thing back in the day. It was a magazine. I think it was one of the PlayStation magazines. Or I don't remember which one it was, but they were casting Soul Calibur for. I think if they were going to do it for a movie, and of course, Voldo, Marilyn Manson. They're, they're that like, makes a lot of sense. And I'm like, yeah, I could absolutely see that. Just wrap his face up in mummy stuff and make him just make weird body movements, and he fit the bill perfectly. <laughs> oh man, I uh, I have a cool little story. Um, so you guys know I play Shroud of the Avatar, right? Yeah. And uh, I was playing it the other night, and I'm running around on the the overworld map, and I see this other player running towards me on his horse, and I'm like, okay, I'm probably about to get murdered because you know this game's like the Ultima Online uh, spiritual successor. I assume people are gonna have that same mentality, right? So like. I take off and I run towards a deer because the way the overhead map works is like you say you see a deer. If you run into it, it'll take you into an encounter zone where you can then run around and find deer and mine ore and things like that. So I run into there to get away from this guy and he DMs me and he says, hey, man, do you have a horse? I was like, no, no, I don't. Uh, I, you know, I've only been playing a few months and I kind of only play here and there. And he goes, oh man, well, it's a pain in the ass to get one. And it takes a lot of gold. Um, I'll go catch one for you for real. What do I owe you? Ah, nothing, man. So he goes and he fucking catches a wild horse and rigs it up and trains it to be able to ride. 
sends that to me plus a sword and plus a cloak that was badass and i was like dude thank you so much like what do i owe you and he's like oh you don't owe me anything man he goes i know how tough it is starting out in this game and like less and less people log in so it's nice to see people online and if you're new i want to help anybody i can to make them keep playing and i was like mmos need more of you (laughs) and then he killed you and took the horse back (laughs) (laughs) now that would be the perfect cap on the end of it but no it's really i'm just telling this story because it's such a nice just a nice thing to run into in mmo games because it's not i think it's because it's not a popular game that the players who actually play it appreciate it more whereas you get people in i'll say wow and even final fantasy 14 lol get good noob good luck you know where you and those people far outweigh the ones who are looking to help others and it casts a bad shadow on those types of games and stuff like that and I think that's because there are more people playing it. So I don't know. I just I just thought that was cool. Just shout out to whoever that dude was for being a good person. It ma- made me smile. Yeah, then that's and that's what I was going for, dude. Is it was like it was a nice little story that I had happen to me. Um, I do want to give an update on the fantasy league, gentlemen. All right. Uh, because of Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles releasing, that was one of Jez's games. So there, ha- there have been a couple releases since I dropped the game. Uh, I went and I looked at the history of how the Warriors games have been doing recently, right? Like Dynasty Warriors, uh, Dragon Quest Heroes, and those types of games. And I saw their scores, so I dropped Fire Emblem Three Hopes or whatever it was that was the Warriors. <laughs> yes, and I have I have a bid in for a game right now, but we'll see how that goes. Um, so. I don't believe I've had any releases since the last time we've talked. Uh, but Jezza has had two. Mario Strikers Battle League. What did that got, get? Because I heard some mixed responses to that game. Got a 74. Okay. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, what, what have you heard? I haven't heard much about it, so please like inform me. Just a lot of people are complaining, and a lot of people are defending that it's A, an incomplete game. <laughs> like, that there's a lot of feet stuff that's not been released for it yet, as far as I'm... Like, it's not a game that I've kept close track of, because I'm not super interested in it. Yeah. But I've just heard a lot of complaints that there's a lot of stuff that's not in it yet, and that they keep planning on releasing things at a slower pace into the game, and people aren't a big fan of that, and other people are like, no, it's fine. Okay. Uh, that, yeah, that sounds like the typical internet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, um, well, hopefully, hopefully it ends up uh, perking up a little bit. If not, the you know Nintendo can afford a miss or two here and there. Yeah. Um, but Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles: Shredder's Revenge got an eighty-seven. Damn. So pulled him in another seventeen points. Uh, he is firmly in second place. He's catching up to me. Uh, as far as projected points, I'm still ahead, but not by much anymore. So we'll see how that goes. Um. Let me scan to see if anybody else has had any releases. Uh, Mike, one of his games is not re- coming out, so it got a zero. That's uh, the Quarry did come out, which is that game that has uh, David Arquette in it, which <laughs> looks awesome. I'm just going to say I watched uh, PlayStation Access. I think it was played the first hour or so of it. It, it looked really cool. It got a 79. Okay. Um, Cody had AI the Somnium Files, Nirvana Initiative, which, fun fact, I learned the other day that AI the Somnium Files is related to the 999 series. Oh. Um, huh. That got an 85. Dang, that's pretty good. Yeah, and he hasn't got any points for it yet, so I don't think, I think that's a relatively new score, so that could go up or down before it's finalized. Uh, Diablo Immortal came out. 
it uh it got a 62 hmm. who got saddled with that? <laughs> that that was a uh, jeremy from oregon who has not done anything since the draft so uh but i will say that stephanie had that counter picked so she gained eight points from that smart that, that the, game just seemed the moment they announced it i thought that game was going to be a disaster and they did nothing to change my opinion about that since then <laughs> uh don't, don't you people have phones <laughs> <laughs> oh my god that's right don't you people have phones that's like, bro <laughs> not the market anyway um lost judgment uh philly g lost judgment the kaito files came out which is i think a an expansion for Lost Judgment, which is the Yakuza spinoff. I don't, you know what I'm saying? The Detective right. series. It got a 78. Cool. And th- those are the most recent releases. So as of now, the rankings from first to last are me, Jeremy, Cody, Phil, Steph, Mike, Chad, and Oregon Jeremy. But if you think about it, all of you are really ahead of those of us who never played in the first place. <laughs> That's a fair point, sir. That's a fair point. It's true. We're all, we're all still even. Is anybody below even at this point? I pray, surely hope not. <laughs> um, oh, you mean like, is anybody in negative points? Yeah. No, no not yet. The lowest score is uh, 19, and that is uh, Oregon Jeremy. Other than that, everybody else is doing all right. <laughs> they're, they're at least over 20. So, I do... Uh, have one other thing before we get into the Yakuza chat and if you guys have anything else you'd like to talk about um, so last night I started a audiobook uh, called okay. called Kayfabe stories you're not supposed to hear from a pro wrestling production company owner and it was written by Sean Oliver who was behind Kayfabe commentaries um, which is like a, a thing that started as like some shoot interviews that built into like this wrestling media conglo- not conglomerate but like a, a decent sized business and uh not to be I confused start- with John Oliver of last week tonight. No, yeah, not to be confused with John Oliver. <laughs> but he uh he wrote a really good book, dude. I started it and then listened to the entire thing. It was like eight and a half hours. Dang. Damn. Right? I just put it on while I was doing stuff last night. That's and- like four podcasts, bro. <laughs> yeah, I know. And it was really good and a lot of insight onto these interviews and things that I've watched on Kayfabe commentaries and things that happen behind the scenes, like I didn't realize that he once paid Conan $500 in a pre, like a, as a down deposit type thing. And then Conan fucked him and never came to do the show. <laughs> so. Orale. <laughs> Orale. <laughs> but yeah, so I just, uh, if you have a vague uh, wrestling fandom, I recommend, you know, if, if you ever get like a, say if you just like have a free book on Audible, which they do sometimes, pick up Kayfabe, man. It's good. It's a good book. Yeah, I like some behind-the-scenes stories I've never heard before. That does sound kind of nice. Yeah, I yeah. started a book last night, too. It's, uh, if It Bleeds by Stephen King. It's actually a collection of, like, I think it's four novellas in it. So I'm, like, about halfway through the first one. So far, it's pretty good. Not scary at all yet, but, you know. Is that, is If It Bleeds the one that has the Shawshank story in it? No, it's not. This one came no. out in 2020. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, so this um, is a new collection of novellas. The, the name sounded familiar to me, but it must just be from when I was looking up a bunch of Stephen King stuff then, yeah. I do have yeah, the one Shawshank on it, and I haven't read it yet. For some reason, this one was just calling to me instead. It's a cool cover. I like that little kitty yeah. on the front. Uh, plus, Stephen King. Fucking uh, good. Yeah, Stephen King's like definitely top three author for me. Yeah, absolutely. Um, speaking of books, real quick, I really want to get into The Wheel of Time. 
I do not have time for that. <laughs> and and that's the thing is like, man, there's a lot of books in that series. But I have a GOG, a game on GOG that's based on that series called The Wheel of Time. It's like a point and click adventure type thing. Nice. Yeah. So, Just play so that. Play I'm that. sure it's the same thing. <laughs> if the game interests me at all, then I'll check out the books. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you're just going to get all your literature through point and click adventure games. <laughs> Next, you're going to play Discworld and I Have No Mouth and I Must Scream. And- <laughs> Hey, I've I've always wanted to play. I have no mouth. And I must scream just because I've heard how dismal it is. Free on something recently? Was it? I, I think I probably free on GOG. Yeah, I think, I think that's I think how I ended up getting free it. on GOG for a minute. Uh, either way, I think that game's normally pretty cheap. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's there's a bunch of those types of games I'd like to get to eventually. Uh, I know you're not looking forward to a Willy, but Mist. <laughs> but we don't have to play the original. You know what I mean? We could play like one of the more updated Mist games that is supposedly better. Like the the newest version of Mist apparently has a VR mode. Huh. So that's interesting. Uh, the, like the reviews on Steam. Oh, that's right. I forgot Dagon has the VR mode. Have you not, oh, oh you, don't, you don't have a VR headset for your PC. I Dang. do not. I do not. I have it for PlayStation. But I not. actually got on the VR Dagon for a minute there. How was it? Just what you'd expect it to be. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, yeah pretty just good. Like, just looking around like, oh, fuck yeah. Like on PlayStation VR, my favorite thing to do is three 360 videos on YouTube. Yeah. yeah. Like. Like these fucking uh, drones that are flying by these big waterfalls and shit, and you can just like look around and down. And I was watching one of those one on my headset. Like I was watching one of like flying over San Francisco, and I swear at one point I looked down and I almost fell over because I got like I don't know what you call vertigo, it, vertigo or something, looking down like from being that high up and just moving. I was like, oh holy! Like I had to like catch myself <laughs> on the wall. <laughs> what am I standing on? No. Yeah, pretty much. And, like. And it's like it's weird that that happened because I play like, Beat Saber all the time and don't get any kind of weird motion thing from VR anymore. But that just like threw me for such a loop. Like, oh my god! <laughs> yeah, that's like when uh, I was playing Wipeout in VR. I didn't get as nauseous as I thought I would because they have a uh, like a stabilization thing for inside the car. Yeah, but holy fuck, dude! Are you going fast as fuck? Oh my god! It's like. I can't imagine being in an actual vehicle and going those speeds where like everything going past you is just like yeah. dude grip in VR was something. Ooh. Oh god, dude. that sounds yeah, nuts. I bet. <laughs> I bet, dude, that'd be fucking wild. Um so is there anything else you guys like to touch on before we dive into some Yakuza chat? Uh no. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> All right. Um then I believe last week we left off and we don't necessarily have to go through like every, you know, every single story beat, but last week I think we left off at chapter four. Yep. So I believe the, the big part of uh, like, was it um, chapter five or chapter six where things really fucking ramped up? Nate, I know you're probably a little more familiar with the story uh, because I, a f- fair warning to, to everyone. If you've listened to Yab's pod this week, you'll hear it too. I'm sick. So I have scatterbrain and I apologize. <laughs> So I'm gonna rely on you guys for yeah. uh, points. So just a quick little thing, like the way this game kind of laid out is, you'll go between two different characters. You have Kiryu and Majima, which we kind of went over a little bit last week too. And the way the game's laid out is, you do two chapters with Kiryu, then two chapters with Majima, and it goes all the way down there until you get to the final chapter, which is chapter 17, where you can switch between the characters in some ways. Yep. So. We left, when we last were talking about, we left on a end of a Majima chapter where there was the cliffhanger where he was holding the knife to the girl he rescued and you didn't know whether he was going to go through with the assassination or not. So then, right after that, 
it flips you back over to Kiryu. So you have to sit two chapters sitting there like, ah, what happened? And, and that's one thing about this game did very well is like laying that last hook and they're like, oh, what's going to happen? And then they would just have you reel yeah. it. And by the time you were at the end of the Kiryu part, say, there was another hook at that part. And then you get the Majima and you're doing all that. But you're like, oh, but what was happening with Kiryu? And it was like a cycle of that. Yeah. And it was it was a struggle to put this game down at times because it did such a good job of making you want to follow the story and find out what happens next. But at the same time, all the side quests were like, this is incredible, too. But I want to follow the story. But I've got to see this side quest through. <laughs> Even when you get up to the grand finale at the very end, it still manages to leave you on cliffhangers and switch characters on you a couple of times. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it, it really did in that in that final push. Well, I mean, we'll, we'll get there, but like, you're absolutely right that even, even to the very end, this game was like, hook, line, sinker, real. Hook, line, sinker, real. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And not just the fishing minigames. Hey. Hey. <laughs> Yeah, so I guess moving from there, if you want to talk about like chapter five and six, which are the next two Kiryu chapters, those are kind of like, except for the end of chapter six, they were kind of calmer chapters, in my opinion, where you start to learn about working with Tachibana Real Estate as Kiryu, um, and you'd help them kick some squatters out of one of the buildings Tachibana bought. And then in order to celebrate, you kind of go to the bar Serena where um, to be Oda to have a little drink to celebrate. And Kiryu runs into Nishiki there, which was a surprise because he didn't realize Nishiki was actually a regular at this bar. So it was kind of an awkward <laughs> meeting between the two of them. I was like, what are you doing here? Blah, 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 that kind of stuff. Well, halfway through the night, they start drinking everything. And Oda still hasn't shown up to the bar. And so eventually he ends up coming up to the bar. His face is just covered in blood. He's like, beat the, he had the crap beat out of him. He kind of stumbles into the bar and falls over. And then a couple of um, Yakuza guys come in who were apparently working under Lieutenant Iwano. Because we've messed a lot with Kuze to this point. But this time Iwano's kind of taking a point on it. And, yeah. Oh, I just want to say Iwano is like the... Uh, I'll call him the stylish looking one of the guys. Like he had the, the flashy purple suit that i would totally wear i'm just saying <laughs> but he like he uh had like the hair not like quite a pompadour but his hair was more done than the other guys he was definitely the lavish of the three mm-hmm. his, his hair gave me some like 80 70s 80s country singer type vibes almost yeah, yeah. dude he definitely had that vibe some, some conway twitty sure. hair with the purple suit and the big hair yeah a regular conway twitty over here <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, Awano. <laughs> Awano Cash. <laughs> yeah, sorry, continue. Yeah, and so it, it, basically, then Awano comes in, and Nishiki is super uncomfortable through this whole thing because at this point, Kiryu had quit the Yakuza and was working as a civilian for Tachibana, and he's still hanging out with Kiryu, so it's kind of an awkward situation for him. Anyway, it kind of all resolves in a way that, like, um,. Wano's like, turn, give us um, Tachibana and this is all over. You don't have to worry about anything anymore. And of course, Kiryu's like, no. <laughs> and so, Wano kind of like, turns like, this is your last warning and walks out the door, leaving them to tend to Oda's wounds and all that kind of stuff. Did uh, something about this game that I noticed, and it might be just a thing because I've, I've noticed it in animes too and things. Do you notice that like, there was a very specific way that they would say certain characters' names? Like in certain situations, like uh, one that we're going to get to 
like when he would say when Kiryu would say like Nishikiyama, he would never say Nishikiyama. He would always be Nishiki. <laughs> He'll always kind of like the, the, whisper Nishiki. Was, yeah, the little dots <laughs> yeah. at the end of it. It was always like <laughs> it was just always by Nishiki. <laughs> anyway, yeah, it's just something I noticed. Yeah. Is this is this when you fight? Is this when you go to the club and meet Awano at the end of chapter five, or is that that's the end of chapter on? six? Okay, it's in chapter six. It's not even quite the end of chapter six. Right. Chapter six actually is pretty a pretty good chapter because it is super action packed. So yeah. like at this point, like all of Awano's men are after you and everything. Um, so you get attacked by Awano's goons, and they were told to take you to the boss. So like you end up trying to escape essentially try to get out of the city because you're kind of screwed because they're after you from every single angle. So you end up um, coming to this strip club and the stripper's like, hey, I know these guys are all after you. Why don't you come in here? There's actually a secret exit in the back of this club and we'll let you through. This was chapter six. My God, this game is so dense. This part was cool as hell. My bad. That bitch. (laughs) Yeah. That's all I got to say is that bitch. Yeah, it's like Kiri's like, well, I don't have anywhere else to go because I can't go back to um, the Serena bar because I don't want to put that girl in risk. So this woman wants me to help me escape. So he goes into that. So anyway, the back of this club ends up having like an entrance to the sewers in it. So you go into the sewers and this is one of the most epic scenes early mm-hmm. in the game. You go into the sewers, you start walking down there and you just hear this engine start roaring. And you're like, what is going on? And you see these headlights come on and the engine roars some more. And all of a sudden you just see on a motorcycle, Lieutenant Kuze again with a giant steel beam in his hand, riding you down from the other end of the sewer. And Kiryu's just kind of standing there like, what? And <laughs> it's such a great scene because he just bashes you, wrecks his bike at the same time with that steel yeah. pole. And then he's just like, Kiryu, smack. <laughs> And then you get the fun, fun time of fighting Lieutenant Kuze for the second time. Yeah, and he's he's a hoss in that fight. Like, yeah, that, I uh, felt like he was really hard to stun and really hard to bring down. Yeah, because he because like since he had that steel pipe, he used that as a weapon through the fight too. Because like the first time he fought him was bare knuckle all the way. This time he had that um, steel broad with him, which I think made him a little bit harder to knock down. And you had to figure out ways to kind of get around him and get your punches in. Yeah, yeah. I'll say when that chick like leads you out that door and she's like, yeah, you know, you go this way. And he's like, thank you. You know, I'll, I'll come back and I'll pay you back for the, yeah. As a customer. And, and she's like, he walks away and she's like, I don't think that's going to happen there. Big guy or something like that. And I was like, Oh, you did not just fuck over cure you. And she did. Yeah. She was one of Awano's girls. Yeah. So you finally get to the end of the sewer system. You go up these stairs and you enter into another building up there you find yourself in a disco that is completely empty, except for, for two people. You walk in and you see Lieutenant Awano and a girl just dancing in the disco. Like, they have the whole place to themselves, and they're just sitting there dancing with each other. And here you walk in, like, what the hell? <laughs> and so, like, um, Awano starts talking to him. He's like, hey, man, all you gotta do is turn us in. Live the life of luxury like me. Just turn this guy in Tachibano just give them to us and this can all be over walk out the door you're free yeah because he's like when you he comes in he's, he's acting all buddy buddy with you and he's basically talking about he I don't really care about those yakuza shit that much what I'm all about is living the high life you know going to the fancy golf course they got uptown eating these big dinners and hot babes and all that and you could have that too just give me Tachibana 
don't you want a purple suit, Kiryu? Yeah. <laughs> as, as, as he's dancing. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's basically his thing. Is he just he? Like I said, he's the lavish one. He like the life yeah. of luxury guy for sure. Yeah, and so obviously you've gotten to know Kiryu well enough at this point that you kind of know what his answers is. He's like, no, screw that. And so what does Awano do to be like, no, Kiryu, listen to me right now? What does Awano do, Dalton? Oh yeah, and instead instead of like you know yelling at him or threatening him, he just puts a fucking bullet straight into. I don't know if he shot her in the chest or the head of the chick he's dancing with. Boom! And now she's laying on the floor, bleeding out dead. <laughs> and he's just Kiryu turns back around like, what the fuck? Basically, and he's just like point, still pointing the gun at her, smoke coming out of the gun, and he's basically like, maybe you didn't hear me the first time, Kiryu. <laughs> and, and he's uh, like. This building, you know I have it surrounded completely by Yakuza men right now. You walk out the door, they all have guns. You're dead the second you step out the door. Just come join me. Give me Tachibana. Everything will be all right. Kiryu still stubborn as hell. is like, no, I must do what's best for Kazuma. <laughs> Dude, that was a tough bluff to call. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like... That that was that was me being like, oh yeah, okay. So Kiryu really don't give a fuck. Like he is out to do what he is set out to do, because he says something like that. Like he's prepared to die. He doesn't care if he lives or dies, but he does care if he's going to do something he hates, and he hates the idea of teaming up with Awano. Yeah, <laughs> like, fuck you, Barney. Yeah. <laughs> the purple tie is so <laughs> that's so good. It's actually a really good name for him. Uh, so anyway, Kiryu ends up walking out. He's like chest held high he's prepared to get shot from every direction as he walks out the door and then he walks out the door and nothing happens <laughs> like it was a huge bluff that Awana left him and Awana you just get a visual of Awana sitting back there like damn I can't believe he didn't fall for that I should have known no he was more like you can't threaten an idiot like that they'll never buy it yeah and I love that like while he's saying that he sits down on the disco stage and he lights a cigarette and he takes a drag and he's just staring at this chick he just shot and then he's just reminiscing about Kiryu while he's looking at this dead woman. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, because don't give a fuck. <laughs> oh, um, man. And as he walks out the door and he sees nobody starts shooting him, he actually sees Nishikiyama in his car chilling out there. And Nishiki's like, you idiot, get in. We're going to go somewhere safe. And so Nishiki ends up take, taking him out and they just start driving out of Kamurocho. Yeah, and I was I was very curious as to where this was going to go. Um, and Willie, I know you saw this most recently, so I'll be very curious to know uh, your reaction to it. Uh, so you, you're driving, you're driving, you're driving. Kiryu falls asleep. Kiryu wakes up, and it's almost like that. There was a scene in The Sopranos where uh, Christopher's girlfriend had had like ratted on him, or so was working with the FBI, and they found out. So they go on a ride with Silvio out in the middle of the woods. You know what I'm saying? And that that's what exactly what this reminded me of because Kiryu wakes up and him and Nishiki are just like at this roadblock. I don't know what it was. It was yeah. like a roadblock kind of like for a, a dead trail. end in the middle of nowhere with a roadblock in the forest, like that kind of stuff. Yeah. 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 And immediately I was like, oh, I've seen this before. <laughs> and yeah, uh, you get out and Kiryu's kind of standing there and I believe that he's talking to Nishki without even looking at him because Nishki's standing behind him just like holding the pistol up. Now, Willie, what did you think was going to happen here? Like, did you think that he was going to kill him? Did you think he was going to actually shoot him? Like, what? how did you think that it was going to go? Honestly, 
roughly went down the way I thought it was going to once the pistol was pointed at the back of his head. I didn't know what was going to happen up till this point, but this is pretty much what I thought was going to happen. I thought he was going to stand behind him. He was going to talk big. Kiryu was going to say something to him and make him lose his resolve. And all Kiryu said to him was like, I love you, Nishiki. Just go ahead and do it. Yeah. That was the thing. He's like walking towards him. He's like, do it. Just shoot me. Just do it. And Nishiki's like, Kiryu. Kiryu. With the, <laughs> the dots at the end. Nishiki. And there, there was a lot of that going on. And... uh <laughs> Kagome Inuyasha, Kagome Inuyasha. <laughs> <laughs> but like, I mean, the, the reasoning he gave made sense too, because he's telling them, you know, if they if they catch you, man, they're going to do worse than. I'm giving you a clean exit right here because they'll torture you, they will break you, they will destroy you in ways that I can't bear to uh, know that you're going through. Just let me get you out of this. I I will say where I thought it was going, and then Nate, I'm gonna let you take back over where I thought it was going was I thought that Nishki was going to be like, well, if you're going to do this, I can't see you go down this path, turn the gun on himself, and just boom. Oh, God. That's been the worst. Yes. <laughs> That's what I thought was going to happen. And when that didn't happen, I was a little relieved. But still, the, the, the way the scene played out was still very impactful, and I had tears in my eyes. Yeah, like, yes. it was a super impactful scene. And, like, uh, this is the one time in the game that I think struck me emotionally the most because it was just the whole – they're talking about how they're not kids anymore. Like they're adults. They have to take adult responsibility and do things and all that kind of stuff. And the scene, like we said, Nishki ends up like being completely unable to do it. And Kiri's like, it's okay. I'm letting you off. We're no longer sworn brothers, all that kind of stuff. So if whatever happens to me is no longer your responsibility, essentially. And then Kiryu gets in the car and drives off and just leaves Nishki out there in the middle of fucking nowhere. <laughs> I still wonder how Nishki got really about that too. <laughs> like, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, how far did they drive? How far does he have to walk? This is before cell phones. Like, yeah, I was going to say, this is 1988. He has a pager, but he doesn't have any way to dial out. Yeah, he's not the guy with the bag phone in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Unless, unless bag phone guy was just happening to stroll by. It was just like, oh, you need a phone? Here you go. <laughs> I need a battery for Oh, though. sorry, it's out of battery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But then um, Kiryu leaves, like I said, and that's where that chapter ends, and you head back into Majima. And again, again, it ends on a, what the fuck? Yeah, because you still have no idea what Kiryu's going to do, because you know all the Wano's men are still after him, and he doesn't have, like, a safe place to be. I think at this point, he went to try to go back to his apartment at some point during that chapter, and they were burning it to the ground. Yeah. yeah. I think the start of chapter nine is literally you coming in onto your own apartment burning. Okay, yeah. Yeah. By um, the way, there's... Oh, hold on. I'll, I'll, I'll get the actual numbers, but there... Continue, please. Yeah. Uh, oh, go ahead. Go ahead, so Anyway, that's where chapter six ends and seven begins, and you're back with Majima and Sotenbori, and finally get to figure out how that knife scene ends. Yeah, oh, and- uh, I'll say once you're this far into the game, you are bought the hell in. I looked up the stats on Steam. Any the thirty one point eight percent of people completed chapter eight. Twenty seven point zero percent of people completed chapter sixteen, which is the next to last chapter. Which means the moment you got to the midpoint of the game, the moment you got all these story hooks in, less than ten percent of the people gave up between those two points of the mid game and the end game. Yeah, yeah. Like it, it gets. It's just really great storytelling. Yeah, because I knew the second, like, the last episode Willie had gotten to Chapter 4, I knew that if he could get to Chapter 6 to Chapter 7, that he was going to have an impossible time 
turning the game off. And I think that's ended up what happened to him. And that's why, like, in, in our chats, I was telling Willie, like, this game's kind of like Trails. Trails in the Sky, where it's like, it's a slow burn. In the, not that this game is a slow burn, but you know what I mean? It really, like, once you get about halfway, it ramps up. And yeah. really starts kicking in, like where you're just like, "Holy shit, what's going to happen next?" And I know, I know you're both going to roll your eyes, but I'm going to say, it, Persona Five is also a lot like that, where like the first, mm. you know, few hours is very much world building, but then once it kicks off, and there is a very big moment that kicks off from there on, you're like, "Oh shit, all right, let's go." You know what I'm saying? And I love, I love games like that where they can just hit you with something that emotionally makes you go, "Oh, I am fucking in, I am yeah. all in." You know what I mean? For sure. Uh, I was I want to say the start of chapter seven we're getting into I was very very happy to see that Majima didn't slice that girl in half <laughs> right because I, I know this is one of those things where like a fucking an evil woman could absolutely kill me because if she's like a cute little Japanese girl I'm gonna be like I am going to be nice to you and you're gonna just like cut me while I'm asleep type thing not that she was like that but I'm just saying uh I didn't want to see her get hurt because she seems like a very nice little sweet chick. <laughs> and uh, the, irony, the irony is we just had that scene with Kiryu where we're talking about, you know, here's your safe exit or whatever. And I'm like, whatever's going on with her, man, the end of this Wakazashi is going to be way nicer for her than whatever's coming ahead of it. I was disappointed in Majima for not going through with it. Ooh, it's a different take. Yeah. That is a different take. Yeah, because I was definitely like, I hope he doesn't kill this girl because like, I kind of, because like, she definitely seemed important and I want to know where the story ended up going with her in it. Oh, and did the story go? God, it went. <laughs> it really did. So at that point, like, when this chapter starts, you're actually in a club storage warehouse. Like, not in his club, but he actually got in touch with one of the other club owners in town and is keeping her in this um, storage shed behind their club. And, um, yeah. He's, he's trying to figure out where Lee is at, right? After that confrontation. Yeah, so he eventually does find Lee. Like, Lee was the guy, the acupuncturist and massage therapist kind of guy. Um, so you end up do finding him in, like, a Chinese, like, um, hospital that's not sanctioned, you know, kind of like an underground hospital. And you get together with him, and Lee's like, we have to get her out, out of here. Like, there's no way we can keep her here at this point. Real quick, before before we move on, I do want to say there's a scene, There's because this will tie into something I bring up later. Yeah. There's a scene when it's just... Uh, Majima and Makoto-chan in the the warehouse where he asks her like you're blind why are you wearing a watch right and she's like oh well it reminds me of my I think it was her mother gave it to her and it used to play a song but it doesn't play that song anymore and she and he and she takes it off and she's like but you're right this is just me holding on to the past and she sets it down and Majima picks it up and then he just like puts it in his pocket and then that's it but uh but yeah, just that little moment. I'm, I'm going to need that moment for later. So, yeah, continue. <laughs> yeah. So, anyway, so you go on and you're to go find Lee and you start to ask, like, so why is she blind and all this? And you find out that basically she was human trafficked and all that kind of stuff and all this horrible stuff happened to her. And apparently it was a trauma response that kept her from being able to see what was happening to her, essentially. It's like really traumatic and awful shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, they... They went into detail without going into detail. Yeah, and I don't want to go into yeah. detail. Yeah. <laughs> like, thank God. We'll, we'll leave it a human trafficking. <laughs> yeah. So, like, 
So finally they get together with Lee and they all get back together and he's discussing a plan with Lee. So his plan was actually to murder somebody else and disfigure her body to make it think that they had killed um, Mahiro Makoto. Um, like It's a pretty bad plan too, but I was like, I gotta do something, I guess. Um, I'm trying to remember exactly how that goes down. Oh, uh, Majima's not having any of it. He's like, no, that's a he stupid a- plan. Yeah, he ends up taking the stuff that he was given with the photos and the uh, the the fake uh, dress so that they would put the body in and whatever. And just takes it to a park and just dumps it in the trash and walks away. That's right. But as that as that chapter ends, before it fades to black, somebody reaches into the trash can and grabs that bag and pulls it out, and then it cuts, and that's the end of that chapter. And it's like, well, fudge! What's happening next? Yeah, and but the lucky thing is you're still in a module chapter, so you go immediately yeah. into it, and you find yeah. out that, like, apparently somebody else did this, like, killed this person, disfigured him, and all that stuff, and now it's it was put out there that Makoto was murdered instead of the person who actually was, because they had her in her outfit that she wore for the club. And you're like, who did this? Like, who pulled the trigger, filled out this plan for us while we couldn't do it? And so... Majima actually but, gets a call, I think, that's like, hey, meet me at the Cabaret Grand. I'm already waiting for you. I'm the one that did this for you or something like that. Yeah. he uh, Is it before or after that that you get the first meeting or the first interaction with Sagawa where Sagawa's like, uh, I'm proud of you, but uh, I'm curious as to why you disfigured her face so much so people wouldn't know who she is. He's very like suspicious of what happened. Yeah. Honestly, seven and eight was such a while ago for free now that I don't remember yeah. the exact order that things so, happened in. Well, yeah, he, he so that's one of them. Bef- he costs you right after this happens, actually, I think. Because, yeah, it also asks what that guy was here for. Gotcha. That's right. That's right. Because that, that both those scenes happened in the club. Okay, so yeah. Yeah. Uh, and this is where you're first introduced to... Nishitani. Oh, Nish- Nishitani, yeah. Not to be confused with Nishikiyama. Nishitani. Yeah, I remember like making a mental note. Like, okay, there are two different people. Don't let the niche in the in the beginning fuck you up. <laughs> Nishitani, yeah, and this motherfucker, he just likes to fight. Like that was the vibe I got from him. Is like, he was very much like once you beat him up, he's like, oh yeah, that was awesome. Yeah, like <laughs> he's a violence pervert. Yeah, he basically comes to Nishiki's club, tells him he did it and everything, and he uh, not Nishiki to Majima's club and tells him he did it and everything, and he's like. I'll tell you more, but you have to fight me for it. He's like, then Majima's like, I don't fight a customer because he apparently paid off the entire club to have it to himself. He's like, you know, I can't fight a customer. He's like, oh, then I'm a thief. I'm here to steal from you. I'll even call the police right now. He picks up his, because he has a bag phone, picks up his bag phone, calls the police on himself. saying, like, there's a crazy thug in the Cabaret Grand. Come get him. <laughs> and so basically then he's like, See, no longer a customer. I'm a thief. Fight me. And that's when you fi- end up fighting him. It's like such a cool little scene right there. And so he attacks you with a dagger. So, of course, I'm going to fight him with my baseball bat. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, that I, was I, a great fight. That was like the only fight aside from the first Kuze fight that I actually died on, I think, in the entire game. Yeah, I remember thinking that was a pretty hard fight. Like, that guy could definitely throw down. You had to learn how to use the defensive options for Slugger, I think, to really do that fight well. Because yeah. you couldn't just step around him. I had gotten pretty good at Slugger by then, because that was like the only fighting style I used with Majima. I just fucking loved it. There was something about just whipping dudes with the baseball bat that was just yeah. fucking satisfying. 
<laughs> I think one of the things that really attracted me to Slugger in the overworld especially was the fact that if you just had left over some heat gauge from the last fight, you could open up by completely crushing a dude. Like, and <laughs> if it was a weak enough minion, yeah, Nate's mimicking the move to just front, hit him down on the shoulder one time and knocks him on the ground, kind of batter up, home run him in the head. And if they're a weak enough mook and it's the first time you've done that move, it should one shot most of them. Yeah. The, uh, the some of the most satisfying moments in that game were when I would have a confrontation start with just one person, and I'd hit it with that heat move and win with that heat move, and it was like as soon as it began, it ended, and it was beautiful. Just like fuck yeah. with Majima, huh? Bap, bap. That's what you get. Yeah. <laughs> and so, like after that scene, like Majima like heads out because like obviously the club's running itself at this point. Majima's barely there now because he has all this other stuff to go. So Majima realizes at that point that Saga was not going to buy the body double thing for too long. So he goes back to the warehouse and um, tells Lee and Makamura what happened at the Cabaret Grand and tell him we got to leave town immediately. So they come up with a plan to go back to the massage parlor because Lee has a van there waiting for him that they can get in and get out of town. So you have to sneak around the city to try to meet Lee at the parlor and you get there and so... Lee starts walking around right here. I'll go get the van started. You guys follow up behind me. As soon as he turns the key on that van, boom! Like the whole freaking block blows up essentially. So, like, everybody's kind of like knocked to the ground. You know, you're never going to see Lee again at that point, which. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hate to say that, like, I saw that coming. I did. And, yeah, and I don't know if I get it from watching mafia stuff. The, <laughs> the, the moment he gets in the car by himself, by well, himself. Like, this doesn't end well. Exactly. Yeah, I was like, oh no, oh no, Lee, don't turn that key. Boom! Damn it! Damn it, Lee! Yeah, I really liked you, man. Yeah, I know. And then like some like um, Majima and Makamura are both like knocked to the ground, like they're kind of beat up from that explosion but they survive and then you just see saga will walk up and Saga was like can't get out of town i kind of knew this was gonna happen then all of a sudden you hear a gunshot and saga falls down and this guy you've never seen before in this white suit comes up and then he just like takes his butt of his pistol and knocks majima out and takes makimoto with him now this is referenced in the next beginning of majima which we'll get to but at this time I didn't even register that that dude was in a white suit, right? So later on, when they're talking about the dude in the white suit, I'm like, did Kiryu show up? And I didn't realize it. <laughs> I was like, what the fuck? So I had to go back, and on, I think I was on YouTube or something, I watched that chapter again. No, I'm sorry, that was one of my game. I had a game freak out, and it crashed on me, and I had to go back through and play that again. But I watched the uh, thing again. I was like, oh, that guy is wearing a white suit. Okay, never mind. <laughs> And so, and that's when the chapter cuts and you go into chapter nine, which means you're back with Kiryu. Kiryu. And I don't don't know how much longer we're going to kind of walk through chapter by chapter, but like this is where the game really just really picks up because you start to see where things start to come together a little bit. Yeah, this is, this is the chapter I believe where um, you figure out, is it Tachibana? can't go away from little china for very long because he's on dialysis um, dialysis thank you i was gonna, i was like something with his kidneys i can't remember what it was. <laughs> yeah di- he's on dialysis and uh the the thing that i remember most from chapter nine 
is there was a, a detail about the human trafficking thing with Makoto mm. about she remembered a guy with a bat tattoo on his arm. And at the end of chapter nine, when he's laying in bed, if you've found him, and I can't remember what quite happened before then. I do believe you said the beginning of chapter nine is when you find your apartment on fire. I think so, yeah. Um, so at the end of chapter nine, it's like panning around, showing Tachibana laying there getting dialysis, and it shows his fucking arm, and he's got a bat tattoo on it. And I remember messaging Nate and being like, oh my God. Yeah. And, uh, <sighs> yeah. So good. And like, like Willie said, I don't know how much more I want to go like beat by beat, story beat. For, like, I think we're covering it pretty intensely now. But long story short, game is really freaking good. Like, I couldn't get over it. Like, I didn't want to stop playing this at any point. Like, it was one of those games where I got to chapter 17 and I knew that all I had to do was activate the final sequence of the game and it'd be over. And I avoided that for a couple days because I was just like, yeah. this was a world that I wasn't ready to leave when it came time for that. So, like, yeah. I kind of, like, dilly-dally did all the secret side quests and stuff like that to keep myself moving and be able to spend more time in Camarocho and have fun with the game before I had to, cause I knew I was going to love the final battles too, but I was like, man. <laughs> yeah. You had to, you had to make some serious money for the final battles. Um, so were to, there any just, other like story beats that really stuck with you guys other than the ones that we kind of went through? Oh, um, oh. I don't know that we call it a story beat so much as a gameplay thing, but the, um, there are some really big battles at the end of certain chapters. And at one point, you end up having to fight your way through the entire actual headquarters of the Tojo clan where they're basically sending everyone after you. There's like a hundred dudes you had to fight, but there's stuff everywhere too. So you're constantly finding ways to bash them with objects that are laying around. And it's just incredible. Like the game turns into dynasty war. Oh, that scene with uh, you, Oda and Tachibana. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Running through the core quarters. That was really fun. Uh yeah the the story beat that came out to me was what eventually ties together the two stories which is that uh Makoto this girl that Majima is told to kill is the owner of the uh the empty lot that the whole game is focused around um and she ends up being shot at the end uh but she didn't die um and help me out who was the the very suave looking like Doctor Strange looking motherfucker uh the yakuza guy um he ends up walking with a cane oh um saga uh, shit. hold on i'll get name? you hold on okay thank you um he was the head of the sarah 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 oh, yeah okay. him the guy who eventually ends up becoming like head macho man <laughs> head macho yeah. man <laughs> yeah that's his uh, official title it's on his business card he he was a really cool character. I ended up liking him a lot because yeah, he sure. was very straight up. Um, yeah, Saga ends up shooting him, but he ends up surviving. The girl ends up getting shot. She ends up surviving. Um, These guys are really bad with guns. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. The ending is more I wanted. what I wanted to talk about. There was a scene at the end that really made me tear up. Yeah. I'm the only one, but that's okay. That is okay. Before we do that, though, like, I want to say something yeah, please. real quick. In the first episode, we were talking about the differences between all the lieutenants. Like, we kind of said Lieutenant Kuze was the hothead, fiery one that fought everybody. And um, that Awana was the flashy one. And then that... Um, uh, give me a second. Shibasawa. 
Yeah, Shibasawa was the kind of like the smart one, the brain, the one that looked kind of like an accountant. And I told you guys, remember what I said? I said, Shibasawa is definitely the one that's going to be the super scary one. Yeah. Who was right? <laughs> that's no joke. He ended up being the uh, the most hard ass of the three for sure. Yeah. Like, Cold blooded. If you look at it, I guess you could say there's two final bosses in the game. One for Majima yeah. and one for Kiryu. And... Shibusawa is one of the final bosses, and I was like, I knew it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we we got to touch on uh, Owano going out like a hoss. Yeah, like uh, so. Owano gained the, a lot of respect at the end of the game for sure. Yeah, he, there's this battle where you you finally do have to fight Owano as Majima, and you go in there and you duke it out, you duke it out, you duke well, it the out. The first part about it was is like Owano like confronts him because this is the last in the last battle too and Wano confronts him is like and uh Majima's kind of like oh, just a flashy guy like you you're a nobody to me like all you care about is the money and the drugs and the women what do you care about the people and all that it's like and then Wano's like you know what you're kind of right I got into the Yakuza because there was something that I liked and that was smashing faces in and it's sad that I kind of lost that along the way but you know what I'll give it to you now Let's fight. <laughs> and that's why they end up fighting. It's a great every, fight, too. Everyone in this game is really good at grabbing their shirt by the shoulder and ripping <laughs> off their entire suit. Oh, now <laughs> I wanted to mention that. Yeah, they'll be wearing an entire full jacket top with a shirt that's only got two unbuttoned. They grab their shoulder, pull, and all of a sudden they are completely topless. Yeah. Just like rocking, showing off their cool ass Yakuza back piece. Yeah. And everyone in the game has like a signature back piece. It's so awesome. One thing that I thought was really interesting in this game is that Kiryu's isn't colored in. Yeah, I feel no. like the ranking guys were all colored in, but like Kiryu's is not. So I didn't know if that's like a Yakuza tradition. Like you kind of, as you make your bones, you get the uh, the right to color yours yeah. in or what? Because there was a that's part of the game later too where Nishiki was also fighting with you and you both did like to pull ball. You do yeah. a um, simultaneous grab your shirt by the shoulder and throw it off. And neither one of theirs were colored, if I remember correctly, because they were both kind nope. of young, low-ranking fellas. Yeah, but fun fact, uh, in premium adventure mode, if you do the shirtless mode with Kiryu, uh, his tattoo has color in it. Yeah, I did notice that as well. So I think that's a, a foreshadow to like maybe the old later games. He has his tattoo filled in for whatever reason. Maybe with the billions of yen he made from real yeah. estate, which we'll touch on here in a minute. Um, <laughs> yeah, so like... And then after you fight Awano, go ahead and say what happens to the Awano scene, oh, Dalton. Yeah. Uh, just uh, so there's a Chinese hitman that was hired to, and he's the one who ends up killing Tachibana early on. Um, and he comes in and he aims his gun and he's going to go shoot Majima, but Majima has earned Awano's utmost respect uh, somehow, and Awano just stands in front of Majima and takes the bullet, and then starts like talking shit to the hitman the hitman puts like three or four more bullets into Owano, and Owano's still standing there walking towards him like i'm gonna fuck you up and then <laughs> the the assassin dude like has these i don't know if they were, they were like big nail looking things almost like a uh, hammer and nails type things but like big spikes between his fingers and like voldo like we talked about earlier from soul caliber he just jams those fuckers straight through Owano's chest yeah and then pulls them out and Owano drops assumingly drops dead yeah and uh then he throws those at majima and yeah because like awano was the one lieutenant we kind of kind of dissed on a little bit for just being this big flashy guy that only cared about the finer things and he went out like an absolute stallion in the end 
Yeah. I gotta say, by the end, I was really respecting the hell out of Kuze, too, because, I mean, he knew his place, but he definitely came there like, hey, I'm just mono on mono, let's do this. I didn't send the whole family to burn down Kazumagoon's headquarters. I'm just here, and if you can beat me, you guys can walk away. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like that's kind of probably how Iwano started out, too, was Iwano was one of those guys that was a lot like Kuze, yeah. and then he just kind of went his own way because the fighting kind of got boring and tired for him so he decided to try to waste his time on the expensive things in life that he can now afford yeah so after that like and then that that fight with that guy and then you go through the, the final battles where you fight uh shibasawa which was a hard-ass fight um and long a long fight she was but, uh, such a good final boss fight dude it was yeah. It has these phases, and he like the characters in the game all have like multi- the bosses have multiple health bars. Sometimes like there's a yellow health and or the orange health and the yellow health. Some of them have green. Like the first time Kuze had green health, I'm like, oh shit. Then they get to like sky blue after that, and he's the only guy that has a purple health bar on top of that one. Yeah, he had a bunch of fucking health, dude. So you had to waylay him a lot. Um, once you beat him. Uh- uh, oh, go ahead. Just him. I was just gonna. There's a lot of props laying around, though, which definitely yeah. helps the fight gain a lot of. Fun. Oh, yeah that that one specific area we were in, like the bar where there's just tables and chairs. Yeah, and ladders. Yeah. Oh my! The cool thing about the fight is, like, you start punching a whale on each other. You whale on each other so hard that you fall from one deck of the boat to the next deck of the boat, and like you end up <laughs> punching each other through rooms, stuff like that. It's incredible. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. And then at the end, uh. He basically, like, Kiryu's on top of him, just punching the shit out of his face. And he basically tells Kiryu to kill him. And Kiryu pulls up that fist, and he's like, oh, I'm gonna kill you, motherfucker. And then here comes Nishiki. And Nishiki tackles him. <laughs> and he's like, no, I can't let you do this. <laughs> if we ever cross that road, we're gonna cross it together, but not today is not the day. Yeah. That's just a summary. It was way more intense yeah, like, and, like, emotional than that. We only give a little summary, because I'm gonna 100 and go ahead and say this right now. Play this game the whole way through. It is 100% worth your time. I'm not going to spoil what rating I'm giving it, but this game is very, very, very good. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, The the two post-credit scenes that I'm going to bring up that really stuck out to me. um, One was the interaction between Majima and Sagawa, where Sagawa finally, like, respected Majima, and Majima's like, yeah, you're, we're cool, dude, but I don't ever want to see your fucking face again if I don't have to. <laughs> yeah. And Saga was like, I respect that. I'll see you down the road, Majima. And he wanders. Oh, and then he's like, by the way, really? That jacket? Because Majima at this time is like wearing a gold ass jacket with it's open with his chest out. And he's, he's like, got the bowl cut he'll have in future games and stuff. Yeah, and he's like, yeah, I like it. I'm going to do me now. I don't give a fuck. I'm not trying to make anybody else happy. Yeah, because one of the things that stuck out to me about that as well was Maja was like, you know, I've seen a lot of idiots through my time. And it shows, like, Lee getting blown up in the van. And it shows Nishtani getting shot in the prison, which we didn't talk about. But Nishtani gets shot in prison and all stuff. And you know what? Those are some of the best idiots I've ever met. I think it's a good thing to be a little bit more of an idiot in life. I don't know if idiot was the word, but something similar to that. He said... He said he, they were they were idiots, but they were some of the finest bastards I've ever yeah. known, or something like that. Yeah. And he's like, I can yeah. stand to be a little bit more that way. So he goes walking around the corner, and Saga was sitting there, and he's smoking a cigarette, and he's like, he's finally grown up, you know, he's finally a yakuza, like he's real proud of Majima. And then just a hand gets on Sagawa's shoulder, and Sagawa goes, "Damn, y'all are quick." 
and he turns around and I don't remember what he, he says like one last thing where he's like go ahead I know what you're here for and they cuts to black and you're a gunshot boom so Sagawa got taken out for being part of the whole the shindig but yeah. it was the other scene so at this point Makoto has recovered from being shot she um, she can see again and she's like getting harassed by these these two guys and Majima sees this and comes walking up well it turns out these two dudes are underneath Majima in the Yakuza because now Majima's back as a Yakuza member and this doctor like I guess one of her friends runs against the doctor to come help and the doctor's like hey leave him alone and everything but these dudes are like talking shit and Majima knocks both his homeboys out and she's just looking and she's looking at Majima and Majima I had not seen that serious of a look on his face throughout the whole game like I don't I don't know is the way he was looking at her uh, and he ends up pulling the doctor guy aside and he's like do you love her and the doctor's like what what do you, what, what do you mean answer me <laughs> do you love her and they have an interaction I won't go into the whole thing but uh, basically Majima ends up walking off and what's the sad thing is is Makoto never got to see Majima's face she only got to see a blurry outline when she kind of got her vision back of Majima so she had no idea who that was and he did not speak within her earshot and he basically just told that dude to take care of her go tell her you love her and he walks off Here's the thing. Flash I think forward. she would have recognized him. I think it's kind of BS because she knew he only had one eye because of the conversations they had together, and she knew his voice. I thought that too. Yeah. <laughs> How I many know, guys man. with I, one I eye sweet. do you see walking around? <laughs> I don't know. I don't live in Japan. I can't comment on how many one-eyed <laughs> men are walking around over there. Um, but the there's a scene where she goes back to take flowers to where Tachibana was killed, which was which the is empty the lot. empty lot, and she puts the flowers down. And that you start hearing this song play and she starts freaking out and looking around and there's this loose spot of dirt. She starts digging in the dirt and finds this wrapped up cloth and she opens it up and it's that watch that Majima had taken. And it's fixed and it's it plays the song again. She holds it close to her. She starts crying and then it like does that thing where it fades in a picture and then fades out what you're looking at and it fades to Majima just walking. And I was like, teared up i'm like oh man that's so that's so nice in the end like he loved that girl man like he yeah. went and he got her watch fixed and he left her to have a good time so in the same exact scene that i'm processing these emotions it shows majima walking and then it shows kiryu walking and then it shows those two just like walking up and looking at one another from about i don't know like 10 feet away from one another and they're just standing there and it does like a close-up of majima's face and a close-up of kiryu's face and then a close-up of majima's face and majima's expression just changes to I assume the Majima that everyone knows from the rest of the, the Yakuza games. And he's like, Kiryu-chan! Or Kun or whatever. Boom. Cut the black. Credits roll. Yeah. Like, so good. It was so good. I think, and I think those were post-credits. Yeah. I think that was a post-credit scene too. But the one thing I thought was really interesting is you played as both these characters through the entire game. They didn't meet a single time through the series of crazy events that intertwined and weaved with each other. They didn't meet a single time. Like the closest thing you had happen was there was a scene where you're playing as Majima and you were in Kamurocho and you run into Nishitani. No, Nishikiyama. Nishiki. Sorry. No. You did it both I ways. I know. So, so <laughs> yeah. sad. N- Nishiki. But uh, speaking of that, that was such a like a scene that kind of tore me a little bit. Cause like there was a scene where like you are Majima looking for Kiryu essentially. And you run into Nishikiyama 
and you're trying to get the information, you end up having to fight Nishikiyama as Majima. And I was like, I don't want to punch my best friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I was all right with it only because I knew he wasn't going to kill him. Yeah. Because that wasn't his MO. But still, it didn't feel good to beat up on your homeboy yeah. at all. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, that's pretty much the, the story aspect. Um, is there any closing thoughts before we get into the, the two other things that we have to cover? I think that covers for me. I, like, I want to reiterate, we did not cover the story 100%, and there's a lot more that we did not talk about that is 1,000% worth you playing the game to see. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right, well then, gentlemen, let's talk about some uh, cabaret club and real estate. The 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 real the real Yakuza Zero gameplay. <laughs> so as Kiryu with Tachibana Real Estate, um, you actually become a real estate broker in a way, and uh, you go around and try to acquire different properties, and then you do collections like the mafia, <laughs> or you protect them, and they do collections. They make money for you, and you try to compete with the. Was it the, the five billionaires? The five billionaires. Okay, that's right. Yeah. Um, and they all had king in their name. Like you had the electronics king, you had the pleasure king, the media king. I, there's two more, but you get the idea. The leisure yeah. king and the gambling king. Um, I think, was it pleasure king? So when I first saw the pleasure king, I was like, oh, okay. It's like a China, China type chick. Just big buff, going to kick your ass type girl. Uh, no, I was wrong. Uh, I think that that was actually just a, a dude cross-dressing. But either yeah. way, like I was super pumped for like, oh hell yeah, dude, big buff chick, like that's cool, empowerment type thing. And then I was like, oh, it's Crosschester. Oh yeah, this is a Japanese game. All right, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> but still, uh, which which did you prefer, the the real estate or the uh, the cabaret club? So when I first got into both of them, I found. Um real estate a lot easier to understand and get started with. So like, I spent a lot of time doing real estate and that's the first one that I ended up completing. So like, but in the long run, I think I ended up liking the cabaret club more because it was a lot more interactive and gave you a lot more agency of what was happening. So I think in yeah. my opinion, that one was the more fun one. Yeah. The uh, cabaret club was a lot more based on active gameplay. Whereas the uh, real estate game is basically about investment. You, you buy new properties or you invest in your existing properties. You kind of wait for the time of collection to happen and then you repeat the cycle. Whereas the Cabaret Club is more of a RPG type thing. The, the uh, hostesses for each of your clubs have levels and stats and you need to manage them appropriately and pick which ones you're going to use on certain nights and all that. And it's, uh, it, it's more micromanaging, whereas uh, the real estate one is almost set it and forget it and just keep pumping more money in. It'll pump more back out at you. Yeah, I, I will say I played so much of the Cabaret Club one night that that night in my sleep in my dream i was in a bar and nothing to do with yakuza but all of a sudden the bartender was majima and he popped a champagne bottle and it was sunshine fever time and all drinks were half up <laughs> and it's and the song started playing the sunshine fever song started playing in the bar and i was like in my dream i remember being like damn i've been playing too much fucking yakuza <laughs> Dude, I love that Sunshine Fever song that played, though. And then I noticed that if you went into, like, the disco, that would be playing in the background before you started doing yeah. the dance in there. So I was like, ah, this is awesome. Oh, my bro. Speaking of the disco. So if you finish the disco storyline with Majima, you get a hostess, a gold hostess for one of your, oh. one of your clubs, right? That quest took me so 
fucking long to beat because I am awful at the disco in this game. I did not get that hostess. <laughs> it was I didn't even awful. start. I didn't know Majima had a separate disco quest quest line. I'd started uh, curious, but I didn't. I never did a contest as Majima. Yeah, you you go in except there except on the dates for the club, the practice dates. But I never did like no one ever approached me in the club and was like, "Hey, you want to battle?" Yeah, you you go in there and you dance one time, and then you come out, and the next time you go in, there's like some famous dancer chick. Oh, okay. Who starts? I only went in by myself one time, so I never triggered the second oh, yeah. coming. <laughs> if you if you'd have went in there, Christ would have shown up. It would have been fun. Oh, nice. The second coming of Christ. Yeah, you know. Um. Yeah. The um. What was the? Oh, Ob- Obitarian. <laughs> yes. Was that her name? Oh my yeah. God. Yeah, that was what they called her. Yeah. Talk about a very strange looking old lady that came in clutch. <laughs> she was like one of the best hostesses in Gold Class before you started getting more platinum. I was like, it was crazy how actually good she was from like how you ended up getting her and like the story behind her and everything. There were so many times I had mega rich dudes come in. And she would give them a purple happy face. And I was like, fuck yeah. Here you go. Have the old lady give her tons of money. <laughs> I think my favorite part about her was two of her stats were X. And then her, I think funny was double circle. But sexy was the yeah. medium <laughs> one too. So she she could still kind of get it. Yeah. yeah. Like, if you saw her in a gilf porn, you might click it. Yeah, <laughs> you know, depends, depending on the mood. <laughs> one of the, go into the video store or whatever, like. The erotic video store and the guy. Oh my god! By the way, did y'all do the sub quest for the erotic video store guy? No, I did not. I, I saw that it, there was one there, but I'm like, Dude. I don't want to keep going in here and running videos over and over again. <laughs> yeah, you had to do that to like, raise the friendship, right? I would just go in there, play the video, skip it, come out, run back in, uh, and I just kept doing that over and over, right? But you build it up eventually, and he is like, you know, working in this place, I'm so desynthesized, like. I'm afraid that my thing's not going to work anymore if I try to have sex. Like, none of this turns me on anymore, but I heard there's this videotape. <laughs> He's like, there's this videotape. It's secret. You, you go to this area and you find a woman. She's dressed in all white and she tells you that she's cold. And if you give her something, like if you're nice to her, she gives you the tape. <laughs> and Kiryu's like, okay, if I, if I see this chick, you know, I'll... I'll let you know. I heard there was a secret porn. <laughs> Jesus, baby, <laughs> <please> the Lord. <laughs> so, as you're wandering around, you end up in this back alley. And you see there's a chick just standing there in like a white dress. And she's like, I'm cold. So you're like, I'm thinking I, I went and I bought a jacket for her, right? From the. Oh, that's thoughtful. The. Uh, Mm-hmm. import store I go back to Lamar. her yeah. and i click on her and she's like i'm cold and then he's like oh i know to warm you up takoyaki <laughs> <laughs> so i was like all right Machima has one solution to most of his problems <laughs> there goes uh there goes 800 800 grand for nothing <laughs> so i went and i got a thing of takoyaki and i brought it back to her and i gave it to her and she just hands you this tape and kiryu is like oh Oh, this tape's blank and everything. Oh, you must be the... And he turns to go, like, say something to her, and she's gone. <laughs> so he's like, okay. So you take the tape back to Homeboy, who works at the video store, and he is so excited. Like, he is so beyond excited that he wants to watch it with you. And he was like, I don't think we should watch this together. Like, what are you talking He's like, no, man. You did all the work. Watch it. We're going to watch it together. So you guys, you go into the video room, and he puts in the tape. And it plays like this little like three or four second thing and then just turns off like there's nothing. 
and the guy's like, oh, what a bummer, man. This is, you know, this is, this sucks. And Curie is like, what are you talking about? You literally, you were so excited about the thought of this video. You know what I'm saying? And like, he's like, you didn't need the actual video, dude. He's like, you could probably, he didn't say this, but he, I'll say, you could probably jizz a bucket right now from how excited you were about what was going to be on this video and not actually what was on it. And the guy's like, man, you're right. You know, so they both leave the room and then it cuts back to the room or it shows the television screen again. And then it cuts back to where they just were. And the girl who gave you the video standing there all creepy like. And I was like, oh, it's like the ring. <laughs> that's awesome. And that's the end of the quest. Like, that's the whole stuff. That's actually <laughs> really never funny. Follows. I like that. I didn't play that one. I like that one. It was great, dude. I was just like, because the whole time I'm thinking what's going to be on this fucking tape. Yeah. And nothing. <laughs> it was brilliant. Uh, yeah, that she, uh, you ended up getting him for a, uh, I don't remember if he was an, no, he wasn't an investor. I think maybe he was one I of your managers. You could partner with the club and get some extra fans because it was, uh, Majima. Oh, that right? was Majima. That was right. That's right. It was Majima. Um, yeah, you got him for the, uh, the fans for that area. You are correct, sir. There was one, I couldn't figure out how to get it. And I don't remember if it was for Kiryu or if it was for Majima, but it was one of the Segas, one of the Sega buildings. Because I know I had to beat the chick and unlock Super Hold On, and then I unlocked that, I believe, for Kiryu. But I think it was Majima uh, had one that you had to go in and get a Sega, and I couldn't figure out yeah, how to do I'm it. I'm pretty sure you had to play uh, it was, okay. you, Space Harrier, right? Uh, uh, yeah, you know, Space Harrier. It was triggered the same way. You talk to her first, and she likes us, so she's playing video games, and then you play, no, you play Space Harrier, and she'll just come up to you and be like, hey, that's a really good score. Uh, I'm working on my high score, and you leave, and you come back, or whatever. And It, it basically works the same way as the... Uh, the uh, outrun one, except when you win this, instead you get Fantasy Zone oh, and okay. can invest in the club. Okay, I got you. Oh, Fantasy Zone, nice. I I don't understand Fantasy. I played it like seven times trying to figure out how to get good at it, and I figured eventually it's like it's not like most shmups. You actually want to give the enemies a wide berth instead of trying to weave through everything. But like, I still never got any good at it. I just like the look of the character. The little thing you play as is cute. It's got a great, like, art design. Like, this pastel color palette, too. It's really neat looking. I'm just not good at it. I think it's a, probably a good game. I just, it's just... I'm bad. <laughs> Word up. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite of those, like, random quests, I think I was the only one to get to, was... Um, if you go to the phone booth, the the, or the southernmost taxi point in uh, Sotenbori, there's a phone booth. And if you go talk to it, instead of having a save, it rings... And you pick it up, and there's a guy on the line, and he starts, like, talking. He's like, hey, do you, do you want to play a game? Kind of being a little creepy about it, but he's also, like, he says stuff that you're doing. And so it's like he's kind of got eyes on you and stuff. And at first I thought it was about to be, like, phone booth or whatever. Yeah. It's like a sniper not, rifle thing <laughs> on you. But, but it gets weirder. He's like, I need you to bring me something. And he asks you for something really simple the first time. Like, go bring me, like, a... What's a pistol? Oh, it was like a... Oh, was it a pistol the first time? Yeah, yeah, because I never, okay. I never finished that quest, but I did start it. And okay, yeah, he convinces you he's being serious because you open the phone book to the page he tells you, and there's like a million yen or something yen, like that. Yeah. yeah, and it wasn't very much, but it was enough to be serious in the real world. You know, he's like, "Bring me a handgun." He's like, "What the fuck? What do you want me to bring you a handgun for?" Don't worry about that. Just bring so, me a handgun. So the whole thing basically is really intended as a kind of a jump tutorial for the uh, equipment search on the dragon and tiger. So because it, he asks you to get a handgun, and he asks you to get tourmaline, which is a, a crafting resource that you can only get in certain areas. Then he asks you to get a Chinese broadsword, which is another rare uh, equipment. And there's like another one, and then eventually you run through all of it, 
and he asks you to go there's like a deal going he calls like asking for help he says there's a deal going bad i need you to meet me on the south side of the sotenberry bridge or the sotenberry footpath or whatever and you get there and there's three guys there and they're like you know talking like oh we're gonna get that fucking guy or whatever uh, the, the guy on the phone by the way he identifies himself as simon which even your guy was like was like that's obviously a fake name <laughs> it's like you know simon says i guess was the idea <laughs> but so um you get there and the, the, the guys are just like mumbling he's like Modric is just like, okay, which one of you, Simon? And like, you know, Simon, that traitor, he's got it. You have to die. And you have no idea what's going on still, but they're like, they fight, you know, they fight you, you beat them up, and you go back to the phone booth, and the guy's just like, uh, Modric was like, okay, quit playing games with me. I just went there. You weren't there. There were a bunch of guys that just, they tried to jump me, and he's like, look, I used to be part of this dangerous organization. There was a deal that was going to go down there that would have destroyed this city. You have saved the city. I will give you a gift. Just hang out there. And then, uh, like, a lady comes strolling up, like, um, Simon sent me. Please, uh, please take me into your club. Don't, or he will kill me. And so her name is, un- her name is unknown, and she's, like, one of the best gold hosts. Also. Nice. <laughs> that's fantastic. Yeah, definitely did not get that hostess. That's pretty cool. No, yeah, dude. Um, so did you guys, quick quick side note, did you guys know, and this could have just been something that I figured out and I'm an idiot because it told me and I didn't realize it, that you could hit down on the D-pad and you would pull out whatever weapon that you had equipped? Yeah. I did not realize that until like the very last chapter when I like, I bought a bunch of weapons. I'm like, I don't understand why the weapons aren't affecting my stats because I figured it was just equipped to yep, change your stats here. or whatever. And then I like so I went into the menu. I'm like, is there a button for weapon? Because why am I carrying around a gun that I'm not using? It turns out, oh, down in the stances is weapons. Yeah, and it's really good because if you're in Slugger stance with Majima and you switch to that weapon, like it will pull that weapon out. And you're using that in Slugger stance. So like that's how you get. Yeah, that's what I. It's like when you got all your training with the guy that ran the dragon and tiger. That's yeah. how you got to use all those different. Um, like moves that you learn from him because he teaches you moves with um taunt sticks and long poles and all that kind of stuff yeah i figured he was doing that i just couldn't figure out how to get that stuff going in slugger stance but I, I knew that had to be some kind of connection it just took me an embarrassingly long time to figure out how to actually trigger that the only issue i had was the weapon durability kind of sucked so like it you you could get to the point where if you had like a couple heat bars like if you used a weapon that you had weapon durability it wouldn't affect it but then you couldn't really use heat actions because then your heat would go down so like i never got too into using weapons because i just didn't like the fact that they broke a lot and it wasn't as simple as say like getting a repair because like they would break after like 12 hits and i was like man this kind of sucks because i'm hitting this one guy 45 times to kill him yeah i did uh plus Slugger is like an unstoppable, always-on weapon mode. So it's like, why would you want to get rid of it, especially when it has so many cool flourishes? I did find it funny that there were guns that you could use, because I did shoot a couple people. And it didn't do as much damage as I thought it should compared to what damage does to me when I get shot in that game. Yeah, but it was still it was satisfying to like shoot a dude and he just and fall down to the ground. You'd be like, all right, you're done for a second. Let me move on to your buddy. And you could pistol people. When, when you got the boat in the finale, man, like every time someone shot me, I made a point like, oh, I'm going to take your gun and I'm going to use it on your buddies and it's your fault. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you man. did this. So, gentlemen, would you like to uh, 
get into some of the the questions from our listeners let's go to the mailbag let's go to the mailbag let's go to the mailbag because it's really fun we're never doing that again that's cool that you did a song for Blue's Clues that wasn't the mail song to get to our mail segment. Damn it. I'm, I'm quitting. I'm off the show. <laughs> You're fired. You're off the force. You're a loose cannon. So, the first question from Adam. Sorry if I missed this uh, last week, but what is your favorite Yakuza-like game? For me, it's True Crime Streets of LA or Sleeping Dogs. So for me, I'll go ahead and say that this is kind of a unique experience for me because I don't think I've I don't feel like I've played a game like Yakuza Zero before. Uh, the closest thing, like I think we were talking about in the Patreon last week, where we were talking about like our favorite beat 'em ups. So the closest thing that I can compare it to is like a Warriors type game, which this is not. So I don't really have much to compare it to that way. Um, I guess I can compare it to like a two D beat 'em up, and I guess I'd say Streets of Rage two. <laughs> I guess I'll take this in a different direction. I would say that because of the open-worldness and the amount of time I spent screwing around compared to the story, the only difference is I actually played the story in this game, but the I would compare it to Grand Theft Auto San Andreas in terms of just running around in a big, weird city doing random stuff that doesn't really need to be done just because I enjoy it. That is... Well, this was That's a, fair. I'll change my answer to Vice City then. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. Uh, yeah, Grand Theft Auto 3. What is... No, <laughs> <laughs> which is complete the trilogy let's get let's get definitive <laughs> oh jesus <laughs> uh i have to agree sleeping dogs is really good um i never beat it but it's basically yakuza in hong kong and it's a little more serious um i have that on steam co- i'd like to get into that one day yeah that's another one that i think would be really fun for us to cover uh and then like i was you know like i was talking about like you said in the patreon uh last week and adam you're a patron what are you doing <laughs> uh, i'm just kidding uh I really enjoyed like the uh, the adventure modes and like some of the Tekken games and Toe Ball number one those style like those were fun as well. Um, and then we have, okay, so we have two questions from Paul Korn, who was our guest last week. He could not make it this week because they moved into a new home and all that. So congratulations on that, by the way, Paul. Um, what are your predictions for where the characters will be in the main timeline of the series? Okay. So at the end of the game, it actually does do a where are they now kind of segment. I think you have a few of those pulled up, Dalton. I do, my good sir. I do. Let me scroll up to find where they start. Now, the where are they now segment is a little bit vague with a lot of it. Like it gives years and says something like things took a dark turn or and then waves were made or something like that. It doesn't explicitly say what happens, but I think just because a couple years and a couple dates kept coming up over and over again, I have a pretty good idea that there are some definite things that went down and who were the major players. Things definitely seem to get wild around 2005, I think it was the year. It was 1995 something happens and 2005 something happens. Yeah, yeah. like, uh, for example, uh, Kiryu's says, Kazuma Kiryu rises to lieutenant advisor of the Dojima family, known and feared as the dragon of Dojima. In December of 1995, an incident that will change his life forever occurs, and Kiryu serves 10 years in prison. In one massive struggle after another, Kazuma Kiryu is drawn back into the raging conflicts of the Yakuza. His current whereabouts are unknown. So if, if you're asking us what happens between Yakuza 0 and Yakuza 1, because I'm thinking that that must be the beginning of Yakuza 1, since my guess is that that game took came out in around 2005, because it would have been after the Shenmue games, so that, that mm. seems about right, since it's a Dreamcast game. Fair. Yep. So, I mean, I, I have my guess. Do you, you have one you want to go with first? 
Because I, I have a feeling I might be bang on with mine. I don't really. Cause like, I know he's... Because I know one thing Paul mentioned was that the funny thing about Kiryu is he's always kind of, like, out of the Yakuza. So, like, the big thing they were excited to play um, Yakuza Zero is because you got to be Kiryu in the Yakuza. Then he was out of the Yakuza in, like, ten minutes in this game, too. So I'm feeling that he kind of gets disavowed from the Yakuza for being in prison for ten years. And then he ends up doing something and fighting the Yakuza when he gets... I don't have any good answer for this. So, I think... So, um, Sarah is now in charge at the end of the game. Yeah. He's now in charge of the family. Um, yes. I think big old uh, Dwayne the Rock Johnson looking motherfucker that was Shimano? Majima's boss, Shimano, I think he's going to cause some fuck shit and he's probably going to be one of the main antagonists of the later games. Yeah, his character design really looks like it comes from the mid two thousands to me. <laughs> like he's he looks like a Sega character from like two decades ago. So I figure he has to be the main antagonist of either the of the next game, probably, or at least like the guy that's pulling the strings behind whoever the main antagonist is going to be. So I'm guessing Majima is a main going to be a main opponent. But I also get the idea that Majima is not really like the main villain so much as like the other guy's counterpart to cure you mm-hmm. you know what i mean like he's also kind of the loose cannon that gets things done yeah but on the other hand i'm, I'm gonna say i think that th- this game feels like it is setting up we have so much backstory because one of the games in the future must have they had a lot of history and then everything went wrong i'm thinking we have to fight nishikawa or nishiyama nishikiyama <laughs> I can't even say his name right. I'm thinking he's going to be like our main adversary coming up soon. Nishiki. Nishiki. I, I just, I don't see any way we get out of this without fighting him. I think maybe no. when we're in jail, something goes bad. And he like, it's, it's, he said we were in jail for like 10 yeah. years, right? There's no way he's coming to visit every day. He has his own life to deal with and stuff. And I don't know, 10 years without your bro, that's that's going to be a I think rough. even in the Where Are They Now section, it does mention that Nishiki goes astray and kind of follows that path into trying to rise the rank in the Yakuza instead of caring as much about the people. Yeah, I, 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 I hope he's redeemable. I hope we don't just end up killing him at the end of the first game. I, know, or I really whatever. hate the idea of him dying, but yeah, like I've grown really attached to him. And for, like when when you get the moment that Kiryu looks back at him and calls him Kyodai again for the first time since he disavowed him at the end of chapter six or whatever. Like, oh my god, dude! Yeah, I'm a I'm gonna do like a a dramatic read of all the the post-credit things at the end of the episode and that'd be like the ending okay. of the episode, right? But I do want to say uh, you're absolutely right because it says uh, Sworn Brothers since their days at the Sunflower Orphanage, uh, you know, Nishiki stays with Kiryu's, co- stays Kiryu's confidant but 1995 is a dark year. Uh, in the events that follow while Kiryu serves time in jail, Nishikiyama becomes a changed man. His ambition to climb the ranks of the Tojo clan steers his fate. Okay, so I'm guessing that basically it literally spelled this out for yeah. us then, and I'm not so much... I'm more barely connecting. I'm connecting the dots between number one and number two and forming a line. <laughs> it's not a drawing of a lion or anything like that. Yeah. But I mean, it's the easiest connect the dots puzzle. But I'm with time. you. I hope Nishki yeah. ends up being redeemable because he's such a good character in this game. Yeah. So there are two people that I'm very curious about as the future in this that were introduced. And one of them is uh, Dago Dojima. Uh, he was the little is- brat that you met, met up with at the batting cage, right? Yeah, with Kiryu. And you kind of like go through and end up teaching him a lesson uh, in humility almost. Where it was like, because that kid was like, he didn't like getting bullied, but then he always threw his 
dad's name around like he was like this big hoss and it's like well that's why people are going to try to beat you up because you're promoting this self-image that obviously isn't you you know yada 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 anyway Kiryu's like I wonder what's going to happen to that kid you know I can't wait to see him grow up and being that this is the prequel that came out after the other games I assume that that's foreshadowing yeah I think you're absolutely spot on and then also a quest that I did that neither of you got around to was the fortune teller quest which I do have some of that pulled up as well. Excuse me. If you'll excuse me for one second, let me. Okay. Uh, you tell her, like, you go through, you're talking to this fortune teller, cure you, and she's like, uh, refute it all you want, but I know what I saw. Uh, you were a splendid driver. Uh, I, oh, she says, uh, in the future, I saw you wearing a low hat, and you were driving a car with a lighted display that says occupied on it. And Kiryu's like, are you serious? I'm going to be a taxi driver. <laughs> and, she, and she's like, bingo, a taxi driver you are. <laughs> Uh, and then she goes like, I'm not going to go into all of it because, but it's all all she's bringing up is apparently things that happen in other Yakuza games that this is all foreshadowing too. That's a cool nice. reference so she, point. I like that. And Willie, one that made me think of you. She says, uh, when it comes to you and your family, the picture is complicated. I see you wrestling a viper in Okinawa, and it made me think. Oh, didn't Willie say there's like one of the Yakuza games has a bunch of New Japan pro wrestlers in it? I was like, I bet that, that that's what that's, that's talking about. Uh, that's right. Part six does have a bunch of guys from New Japan. That yeah. But yeah. So it's like it's one of the one things I actually know about one of the future games is there's, there's a ton of cameos from pro, real pro wrestlers in Part Six. Although they might have been fictional characters in the game, I don't know if they're themselves or if they're. I just know they were voicing characters in there. Oh god damn it! I didn't green. The, I didn't grab the screen cap of the the section I wanted to. Okay, well, you eventually she tells you that your your fate's going to intertwine with someone that you will meet today, and you end up meeting this kid that you had met previously in a quest with Majima over in Sultanbury up in uh, o- Okinawa. Is that where he was at? No. Osaka. Osaka. Um, and that kid ends up walking in like right by Kiryu and the fortune teller down in Tokyo in uh, I almost said Shunjinku, but that's not Kamurocho. That's not it. Kamurocho. Thank you. Like I was trying to think of the, the real life name of that place and I'm like, well, no, no. What was the in-game name? So anyway, he, he passes by him there. And Kiryu looks at this kid and he's like, him? I wonder I wonder if that's who she's talking about. <laughs> I don't really take that shit seriously anyway. And I think that's more foreshadowing because you find out that he's the kid of one of the Tojo clan guys from when you're playing with Majima and worlds are colliding yeah. all over the place. These webs being tugged. And I'm just like, man, it hooked me. I'm like, I'm, I'm fucking in on this series, bro. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Uh, but yeah, my predictions... Uh, Overall, in, in characters, I'm, I'm more curious to see what happens with Majibo than anything, I think. Like, yeah. uh, I will say one thing that I noticed about this game uh, in looking up other, like, without going into spoilers for them, or I didn't go into spoilers for them, but, like, looking up other games, like, how they rank, which we'll get to in a second. Um, I like that Kiryu ages. Like, you know, like, some animes or some TV shows and stuff, the characters don't age for 20 years, but as these games progress, it you can see it in Kiryu's face that he's getting older. And I really think that that's a nice little touch that you can, you grow with him. You watch the story unfold as it happens type thing. That's it's very cool. Yeah, I like that. Um, another question from Paul. Uh, what is another very culturally specific city slash district you would like to see explored in a video game like Yakuza? Hmm. I think Yakuza 0 specifically is very much a period um, type piece where it takes place in a certain period in that area of Japan. Another thing I think would be really interesting, this is going a little bit further back in history, though, what would be around the French Revolution, around the Bastille in 
back in those time frame, just kind of have a game taking place where you're kind of part of that revolution and everything going on at that time period. It sounds like something a cast Assassin's Creed might have done at some point, but I I was literally going to say that sounds like some Assassin's Creed shit. I've never played the series, but it sounds like something they would absolutely hop on. I will say that uh, Notre Dame, that's in France, right? Yeah. Okay, so uh, if you mean the cathedral, the Notre Dame Cathedral, yeah. not the University of Notre Dame. <laughs> no, 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 yes, <laughs> the Cathedral of Notre yeah. Dame or Notre Dame. Um, and Victor Hugo okay, wrote yeah. Hunchback of Notre Dame. Yeah, so there's absolutely an Assassin's Creed game that takes place okay. in France. I don't know if it's the French Revolution, okay. but yeah, but that's yeah. My, I haven't played Assassin's um, Creed. It seems like a series I want to check out at some point, though. So maybe future show pick. Yeah, they're cool, man. The ones that I've played are fun. I'll wait till Adam with his revival extinctions finishes up the series and tells me which one's the best. <laughs> Hell yeah. Um I don't know, like this is gonna sound really strange, but like one of my favorite Tony Hawk levels back in the day was the Red Square <laughs> in Russia. Mm. So like I don't know, a game based around there would be cool, like exploring that. Um Yeah, I think Russia in general would be a pretty neat place to have a game setting in because like as Westerners, we don't get a lot of their kind of point of view on things i think it might be hard for a video game producer to give us too though because we don't have a lot of cultural references because they're so isolated i don't know that would be pretty neat i like that idea especially like a soviet time when like during like i don't know maybe during the reign of stalin or something would Mm -hmm. be really cool yeah um i think my pick would be the kowloon walled city oh it was like this yeah yeah actually i do it was like this entire enclosed city that was just one, basically one big building. There was a bunch of smaller buildings built in and all nooks and crannies. It was like a terrible, it was mostly this terrible multi-stacked up slum and stuff. But like, it was fast. It had its own culture and way of life and stuff that was super fascinating. Well, they built that up because they were being so oppressed, right? And they kind of like independently right, yeah. built this and came into their own kind of own government and everything. Like where was, this was somewhere, right. like, was this China that this took place at? It was somewhere in okay. China, yeah. It was... I want to say it was... I'll, I'll look at the exact answers that I'm guessing. China? While you're looking that up... Uh, it was in Hong, Hong Kong, Kong, actually. Okay. Um, oh, I thought Kowloon was its own place. Oh, I guess. Yeah, it's, it, it was a uh, uh, densely populated Dejer Chinese enclave within British Hong Kong. Oh. Um, China, I, I, I completely agree. Um, I've always really liked Romance of the Three Kingdoms. Yeah, and I know that's kind of like a fictionalized version of Chinese history, but still, like the Warriors games and stuff. That's what those are all mm-hmm. based on. Is Romance of the Three Kingdoms? Yeah, and I love that shit. And this new game coming out, this Wolong Fallen Dynasty or whatever, that's like going to be like an action RPG based in that world. Sign me the fuck up, bro. Nice. I love Chinese aesthetic, like Chinese yeah. uh, art, and just that that old the way the buildings look and all of it, just beautiful for sure yeah absolutely uh and then one more question and then we'll dive into our list and then we can get out of here gentlemen uh from fenris shout out Fen, one of the ogs yeah if you had to be locked in a game for a year as in uh for example sword art online how that show is what game would you pick and why what game would we pick Hmm. do you have either of y'all have an answer off the top i want to think Cookie Clicker. Cookie Clicker. <laughs> <laughs> actually, no. I just remember what the plot of Cookie Clicker actually is like. I was about I don't to say, be there. bro, you really want maybe, to deal? Maybe with, not. You really want to deal with demonized grandmas? Like? <laughs> I'm, I'm not ready. I'm not ready for the grandma. Grandma. <laughs> <Grandmacalypse>. Love it. 
uh, I mean, you know, obviously everyone's going to assume that Dalton would be like, oh, Skyrim, but fuck that. I don't want to get eaten by a dragon. Like, fuck that, bro. Did, did, two weeks ago on Yabspot, you had this exact discussion and you said you wanted to live in the world of Skyrim, yeah, I think. I know, but I've, I have... I have that's what Jeremy said, is I, you don't want to get eaten by a fucking dragon. Yeah, and I've since thought about it, and I completely agree. I don't want to get eaten by a dragon. <laughs> it's just, it wouldn't be fun. I've watched them tear people around, throw them up in the air. It's, it's, uh, I think the safe bet's going with a game like Stardew Valley. Damn it, that was actually the exact game I was leaning towards because it's like the real world, but a little bit more magical. Yeah, just a little, just to give me a little magic in my life, I'd be happy. You know what? Let me live in Donkey Kong Country for a year. Ooh. Just chill out, eat bananas, hang with my apes. You know, that sounds pretty good to me. Hell yeah. Plus, hopefully, that, that soundtrack would just be playing oh, ambiently in the background. God, yes, dude. <laughs> <laughs> so good. They're, uh, I just want to be an NPC in Tony Hawk 4 watching all the stupid shit that happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. You want to see real stupid shit? You should be an NPC in Tony Hawk's Underground 2 on the, oh, man. the level that was based on some shit they did in Jackass where it was this big downhill thing put together with like plywood and all kinds of other stuff. It, was, it looked dangerous as fuck, but apparently it was real <laughs> and real skaters would go down this fucking thing that was this big hill of just death. I'm trying to think if there's an actual like un, like sincere answer I would give for like a specific world that I would really enjoy hanging out in and like I think Stardew was actually a pretty good one. Um trying to see if there's anything that Rude. comes to mind it's a hard question because like in so many of these games that you love you also can identify that that's not a world you want to live in like you don't want to run into a cyber demon while you're trying to get a starbucks <laughs> i mean you know <laughs> yeah yeah as much as i would like to live in persona 5 like i don't want to have to worry about going into people's palaces and things like that like not yeah, and there's like as much as i love dragon quest 11 i do not need to have dragons and slimes even invading and beating me up because i'm an npc a red slime will destroy me <laughs> <laughs> yeah and and you know if slimes were real people would be posting pictures online like okay i know these slimes are dangerous but look at their face <laughs> like they do with bears when they're like bears are supposed to be so dangerous then why do they have those cute little ears <laughs> exactly yeah Nate held up his slime exactly that thing's freaking adorable and you'd walk over to it and be like hey little dude and it would bite your hand right. off or something <laughs> I think the, the problem with video games is that they exist I mean they're, the settings are wonderful but the settings couldn't be video game settings if there wasn't conflict in them and as cool as it sounds to go around in a spaceship going pew pew at things that means things go pew pew back at you <laughs> Yeah, and we don't respawn unless you could respawn. Now, if this was like you're in the game, in the game, and you can respawn, because in Sword Art Online you couldn't respawn. If you die, you die. Spoilers for Sword Art Online, but like that's one of the main things for that show. Um, so if you could respawn, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> then throw me at whatever monster you want. I'm just going to keep grinding. <laughs> I'll, I'll kill boars in the starter area till I'm level seventy five. <laughs> Oh man, I got nothing. I, I genuinely I think Stardew is a good answer. I, I, yeah. I, yeah, I don't have anything better. Stardew. That's that's the one I was going to say if you hadn't yeah. said it. Yeah. And if it if it wasn't Stardew, it would be Rune Factory, which is the same thing, just a little more magical. Yeah, I'll take Animal Crossing. Then we're just going to be in other knockoffs of the same thing. There you go, dude. Animal Crossing. You just have to live with crippling debt, but you can pay it back whenever. Doesn't matter. It's it's not crippling debt if it's a completely interest free loan that has no expectation of actually ever being paid. 
But you still have to pay it. Theoretically. Theoretically. I mean, you don't have to. You just get yelled at every now and then. I get worse than yelled at if I don't pay loans in real life. That's true. That's very true. All right, gentlemen, without going into too much detail, according to gamesradar.com slash best dash Yakuza dash games, (laughs) the best Yakuza games ranked from, and this is just the top 10, right? Number 10. I thought they'd go from zero to seven. (laughs) Number 10. Yakuza Dead Souls from 2012. Oh, okay. So we're including spinoffs and stuff. Yeah, that yeah. makes much more sense now. I don't know why. I didn't think <laughs> that. All, all I know about Dead Souls is it's a spinoff and uh, it's like a shooter. Like you have guns. Is it like a zombie shooter? It's like you're like Kiryu shooting zombies? Yeah. I, I think believe it might have so. been the. I think it was actually the first game that uh, Majima was playable in. Uh, yeah, it says, perhaps it was only a matter of time until Sega decided that a non-canon spinoff that filled the lovely little suburb with zombies was a good idea. <laughs> um, oh, quick quick side story, uh, quick side thing um, that we didn't talk about. We mentioned last week that Kiryu doesn't kill anybody. That shit went right out the window in that one. Oh my God, I can't believe we didn't talk about that chapter oh my 13 God. Yeah, I meant to bring that up. <laughs> so, yeah. That went right out the window. I don't care what anybody says. Some people died that day. <laughs> so there's a scene in chapter 13 where you were in a car and you're being chased by motorcycles, cars, and helicopters and everybody's shooting at you and you have a gun and you're shooting back. <laughs> yeah. And it's like... Cars are crashing. Okay, helicopters are crashing. And they're not just crashing. Like These cars are like flipping, rolling, and exploding. The helicopter crashes, it blows up in a big fiery fucking thing. And I'm like, oh yeah, but Kiryu does not kill anybody. <laughs> like, they're all fine. Like, <laughs> yeah, what a I fucking was talk- I was talking about this scene to Paul earlier, and we came to this conclusion. Paul said, technically the explosions killed those people, not Kiryu. <laughs> and I'm like, oh yeah, Kiry- Kiryu doesn't kill people. You might think his gun killed those people, but they say guns don't <laughs> kill people. Guns just shoot bullets. Bullets hit fuel. Fuel causes combustion. Combustion causes explosions, and explosions kill people. Kiryu is so far up the chain that if you're going to blame him for killing him, you might as well blame his parents, too. <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, that was just something that, that struck me funny when that whole scene was happening. All I can remember in my head was us talking with Paul about, yeah, Kiryu doesn't kill people. He just really hurts them bad where they don't want to be alive. <laughs> That scene was fucking awesome, by the way. It suddenly turns into, like, a, a shooter from a first-person perspective, and it, like, the enemy's, like, they're gonna shoot at you, and it has, like, the Virtua Cop-style indicator that, like, spins and changes color to red when you're closer to getting shot. Like, it was so And you so have, cool. like, a time-stop ability for some reason. That's how you use your heat bar for. Yeah. I didn't use it once because I forgot about it the moment <laughs> that instruction left the screen. I didn't, I didn't use it either. Don't feel bad, Willie. But it was also really easy. It was like, I never easy, took but it was fun. Like, one quarter damage, so it was super fun. It was like so thrilling. It absolutely. It was just like what the hell? What the hell? Yeah. I'm shooting a rocket down from the sky with a quick time animation. What is going <laughs> on? Is this still Yakuza Zero? Yeah, it absolutely reminded me of Time Cop or like a Time Crisis, like those style yeah. games in the arcade for sure. Um, I think Virtua Cop is probably the closest one, just because that one was also a Sega joint. Uh. So number nine, so coming after Dead Souls, is Yakuza 3, which came out in 2009. Uh, first game on the PS3. Uh, Yakuza 3 sh- showed what the developer could do with the new processing power. Um, but the game's transition from Japan to Western Shores saw a fair amount of content cut, uh-huh. thanks to the cultural differences. And uh, 
Sega, it says Sega thought that a Japanese history quiz and a mini game set in a hostess club didn't mesh well with American <laughs> audiences, which ob- obviously they've learned that that was wrong by now. But I wonder if they uh, added some of that back in the HD versions of the game. Oh, that's, a, that's a good question. I'm not sure. Um, there's something to look into, though, for sure. Uh, number eight, Judgment. So okay. the spinoff. Judgment. I thought Paul was talking um, about that one being really good. I mean, I guess yeah, this whole series is really good, so... Yeah, so take take these rankings for what you will. They're, they all seem like if they're anything as good as zero. Like, um, it's for judgment, it just says the investigation mechanics may be shallow and some of the tailing missions may be frustrating, but it does have its charms. Okay, and I'm just giving summaries yeah. of what the paragraphs say about them. Uh, number seven, Yakuza Four. Um, they shifted the focus off of Kiryu alone and placed you firm, firmly in the shoes of three other protagonists as three well. Three others, so, four protagonists. Yeah, in Yakuza Three, there are four protagonists. Uh, that was a five. Yeah. Number six. No, that was Yakuza four. Oh, that was four. It was number seven. Yakuza oh, okay. four. Um, I might have said five, sounds but like I'm, ser- I'm at four. I heard four. It sounds like the series might have had a little slump after the first two, then when they were changing console generations. Yeah, and I, I'm not sure that they. Uh, I think this. I think. What was it? Paul saying this was a pretty niche series until mm-hmm. zero. Yeah. Um, number six is Yakuza six, the Song of Life. Um, right. The Song of Life. S- Number six is the conclusion of Kiryu's story. I don't ever want um, it to end, though. <laughs> says uh, Yakuza 6 is something of a departure from previous titles as Kiryu's f- various fighting styles are merged into one seamless set of melee moves. Huh. Hmm. And the developers opted to travel more in an RPG-inspired route when it came to progression and character development. So- It'll never stay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number five, Yakuza Kiwami. Okay, good. Uh Majima evolves from a cold-blooded, underdeveloped rival that exists only as a rival force to cure you and becomes a lovable character in his own right. D- driven by his com- love of combat and his, parenthesis, confusing love of cure you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number four is Yakuza Kiwami 2. Uh, if you've ever played Yakuza 2 before, Kiwami 2 is absolutely still worth a play. Enhanced cutscenes, better looking environments, and more fluid combat makes this a bigger, badder, bolder experience than the PS2 classic. Nice. Come for the upgrades, stay for the playable Virtua Fighter 2.1 arcade <laughs> cabinet. Number three, Yakuza, Like a Dragon. Okay. So, you know, that one, it's the RPG. We all know. I'm I'm really looking forward to playing Like a Dragon eventually. I'm looking forward to playing um, all of these. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> yeah, I think the only thing that might hold us back from playing Like a Dragon immediately is just wanting to see what happens next <laughs> with their boy Kiru. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, it's like I almost don't want to leave him behind, even though I'm told we'll love Ichiban too. Oh yeah, that's right. I, I for some reason my brain like just then blanked for a second. I'm like, wait, what do you mean? Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah that's right. Like a dragon's completely new story, new people. Um, number two, Yakuza Five. Uh, Yakuza Five benefits from everything that came before it. Every single Yakuza title that was developed in route to Yakuza Five contributed something to the stunner of a game. Perhaps a nod to the eponymous number. Uh, you have five mind-boggling cities to explore and five characters Whoa. to control. Wow. Holy shit. As you That's unpick rad. the game surprising <laughs> <laughs> uh, as you unpick the game's surprisingly intimate storyline with more freedom than you ever have in a Yakuza game before. Uh, the best moments in the game speak for themselves. Uh, you can fight a bear. <laughs> you can look behind the curtain as to what it means to be a famous idol. 
or you can take take a job as a down and out taxi driver. Hey, hey. <laughs> there's your taxi driver. That's fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, and number one, Yakuza Zero. It kind of sucks that we started with the best, but I'm still not afraid to go down the hole of the ones that aren't as good because, like, this game is so good that. Yeah, I'm cool with playing ones that aren't as good as it. Yeah. The uh, the description under this one is just, we're ending it where it all began. Yakuza 0 is a prequel to the events of the rest of the series and actually a great entry point for anyone wanting to start exploring what the series is all about, which obviously we agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, played from the perspective of both mainstays Kiryu and Goro Majima, you could ask for no better introduction to a world and tone of Yakuza as a whole and then in this campy, emotional, dramatic 80s romp. Uh, from genuinely heart-wrenching interactions with the city's down-and-out vagabonds to some properly funny send-ups of 80s icons. We're looking at you, Miracle Johnson. (laughs) (laughs) Yakuza Zero shifts from the absurd to the sublime with deft ease. Perhaps the most celebratory, joyful, and sardonic of all the Yakuza games, this absolute delight of a title is even available to sample on Game Pass, which I don't know if it's It's still on Game Pass. Yeah, this. So this is an older article. <laughs> Holds up. But, uh, <laughs> they put Yakuza Zero at the top. It deserves it. I think the Yakuza yeah. HD titles are on Game Pass right now, but I don't think Yakuza or Kiwami and Kiwami Two are. Yeah, Kiwami One and Two are not, but the other ones are. In fact, because I was looking the other day um, when I when I resubbed the Game Pass, and I was like, oh, okay. Well, I can at least if I wanted to check those out there. There. Cool. Yeah. So. Yeah, man. Started started with the uh, the one that everyone basically says is the best one, but. I, I like you said I'm not letting that deter me because I'm all in on this story mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. you know what I mean and this just means t- to me I'm like fuck yeah we got six more games right of Kiryu uh, six more like, games I'm absolutely story. looking forward to at this point it's like when I first when I first played Ease 8 and I started looking into the Ease games and I was like oh you're Adol in all of these so they're all stories about Adol and his friends and stuff that's awesome it's exactly how I feel about this now too I'm like fuck yeah Kiryu let's do this oh, shit yeah. which ropes us around to our ratings so um who would like to go first willie you want to go first there is really nothing i would change about this game word okay so if you could put that into a number for me yeah i'm uh, it's 10 this, this okay. is it that this 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 is 10 nuggets out of real estate baby <laughs> this is this is i mean i ended up playing 50 hours of this game over the last five days yeah, brutal. Like this, this is just a, a game that I, I I wouldn't change anything about it. I had a great time with it. It was every bit. You know, sometimes people tell you that something is going to be great and you're going to love it. And it'll be one of your favorite things ever. And when you actually get to it, you're like, "There's no way it's going to live up to it." And this did. This is every bit the game I wanted it to be and more and it was as funny and as heartwarming and as interesting and as exciting and it's just it's great I, it's it's a 10 out of 10 it's perfect okay okay Willie uh, Willie Nate I'm looking directly at Nate and said Willie Nate what about you <laughs> yeah um, 100% agreement I only regret that this is a scale out of 10 that I can't go over 10 because I absolutely would go over 10 um, this is now definitely in the, my top three games of all time, um, with Dragon Quest Eleven and Hollow Knight. So, yeah, it's a very good game. Um, so, 100% 10 eye patches out of 10 Kiryu's. Okay, okay. Um, 
I've played a lot of games that have a lot of good stories, right? Let's say that's one of my things is RPGs with story driven. Like I'm all about it. Um, not since I played like, okay, so Tales of Berseria grabbed me like Persona 5 grabbed me. It didn't take me to the level that Persona 5 did, but it grabbed me like that. And I'm going to put Yakuza 0 right there where it grabbed me like Persona did. Didn't quite take me to where Persona did, but it took me further uh, emotionally than Tales of Berseria did. And that's saying something because like Tales of Berseria was a fucking emotional ride. All right. So I, I absolutely like, again, I don't know if this is the first episode that we've all three handed out tens <laughs> for a game. Um, it might be, it might not be listeners call us out on that. If it we're is wrong. because I've only handed out 10, like once or twice. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to give it 10 Nishiki out of 10. <laughs> I have to say that, out of all the games we played, like I've never played a game with this good of a story that was not an RPG. So this is the first time I've played a game that I think is this incredible story-wise that wasn't a JRPG. So yeah, yeah, and I would almost, I would like very closely consider this an action RPG, um, only because of the the stat building and stuff. Now, if if you had more equipment that affected your stats and things, that would make it more yeah, RPG. I can see that, but but as as something that's kind of like okay so here here's if this line is what makes an rpg yakuza zero is pushing it you know what i mean it's not quite there but it's close but yeah absolutely dude the fucking story like i don't i didn't expect it from an action game. right you know i went in expecting i'll be back <laughs> levels of action and like you know the story's there but you're really you're there to see the explosions and arnold schwarzenegger beat up people and you know like but no nah, man this thing really drew me in it was really really quite good Man, so that that wraps up Yakuza. Before we get into the housekeeping, uh, that means that it is Willie's host pick. So, oh, sir, it, me. it is your choice. It's you. you are going to be the buffer between us and Final Fantasy VII. So what you got for us, my homeboy? Well, we've just gone from one four-week mega-long narrative game with a epic story that is localized to one one country but still is a huge over one country over the course of a couple weeks but it's still a massive massive tale that has so much human interaction and in a couple weeks we'll be going to a world spanning game that is another completely epic story that takes over place over quite a while and has a whole bunch of confusing characters and interesting plots and shit so i think we just need something without a story and just have fun on our own. I know the last game I did was also another non-narrative game, but I think, in general, I think by myself, I usually prefer games without stories to play. Like, I think most of the games with stories I've played over the last couple of years that have been longer than, like, five hours have all been for this show. <laughs> um, so I'm actually gonna... Uh, I think I might have hinted at this before, or I might have said something completely different, but I'm going back to what I was going to do in the first place, and uh, I'd like to do Planet Coaster. All right. Hell Let's get some simulation going on. Yes. Fucking hell yeah. I love Planet Coaster so goddamn much. Oh, dude, I can't wait. So I have an idea. Mm. Now that this this is just something if, if we all three have time for it, right? At some point this week, I want and I mean I can do it and stream it to the Discord or one of you can, but I want all three of us to have a sandbox mode. And we just be like one of us picks a ride, tells kind of the other person to play, and like, oh, let's put it over here, and yada, and let's work together and build a park. Heck yeah, 
but then also like you know have our separate where we're playing through the the yeah. normal game and things like that but i think like doing like a steam machine land or something <laughs> and seeing how we could do steam that. Machine. <laughs> yeah i think it'd be beautiful we could build maybe even build a coaster call it the steam machine that'd be fucking fantastic i think that'd be fun we'll figure it out man good fucking choice bro like i am i'm excited uh, I almost picked a truck simulator, but a truck simulator is probably going to win pretty <laughs> soon. So I didn't want to double yeah. dip us. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that one is uh, it's still on the poll. It's going to be on the poll until Final Fantasy VII. Until our next episode, and then that will be pulled, and Final Fantasy VII will be up, and then we'll see the 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 next. Um, one. if it's if it's really the Final Fantasy, how are there seven <laughs> of them? <laughs> Well, what was what did it Paul say? Push glasses through brain. <laughs> <laughs> On that note, let's clean um, this house, Dalton. Yeah, buddy. If oh oh sorry, it was it's lower than I normally look on the notes. I was like, where's what, all my stuff? You it's want down my there. Body and you think of sex. <laughs> if you want to come check us out on social media and things like that, check us out um, at the Steam Machine Podcast on Twitter. Um, I think it's facebook.com slash the steam machine podcast where you can find us on Facebook if that's your thing. But where we are most active is the discord, which is bit.ly slash TSMP discord, all capital letters. Uh, type that in. It'll give you a link. It'll ask you to join, join, come talk to us, vote on these fan polls that we reference. Talk to us about Yakuza. Talk us about any fucking game you want to really, whatever you feel like. Um, if you want to support the show, which we would very much appreciate, it, it's helping me literally keep the lights on, and I appreciate the hell out of each and every one of you who do donate. It's patreon.com slash the Steam Machine Podcast. Um, and if you you donate a dollar or more, you'll get your episodes early every time we release one. And if you'd like to donate $10 or more, you get a special shout-out at the end of each episode, like these wonderful, wonderful people, Nate Sir Cogsworth, the 7th of Juniper, Jeff, the original expendable Mr. Syllables himself, old Jeffy Lube, and Arisa Adam, otherwise known as Arisa Adam, and shout-out to his podcast, Revival and Extinction. It's, uh, man, that, that new editor he's got is doing a good job. I'm really, I'm really uh, happy yeah, for him. Yeah, I kind of hear he's an asshole, though, but, you know, you can only get so much out of a guy. You know, all artistry is madness yeah. in one way or another. Yeah, this guy's a really big asshole. Here's the biggest asshole in Keystone. Check out Now the Nightmare. <laughs> yeah, if you want some of my music. Oh, you can start to hear it in my voice that I've been talking and I don't feel good. Uh, nightmare.bandcamp.com. if you like our intro music and our outro music, um, which this week the outro is going to be a little different, so don't worry about that. But uh, check us out uh, over there, or check me out over there. Um, also... If you want to click any of these links, uh, is bit.ly slash Steam Machine Podcast capitalized phonetically. There you can find links to like uh, my Twitter, Nate's Twitter. Uh, I don't think Willie uses his Twitter, but I think I might have a button on there for him anyway. Um, the merch, uh, if you want to get a shirt, uh, tsnpproductions.threadless.com. And I'm trying to run through all this stuff. Oh, oh, shout out the Abs Pod, yet another BS podcast, podcast that me and my buddy Jeremy do each week. And shout out to the JRPG Report, which is a weekly JRPG news show that I do. So if you like the sound of my voice and you'd like to hear more of it, you can hear me on those two other shows. It usually sounds better than it does right now. He's sick. Yes. Yes. I, I am doing my best, though. <laughs> um, and Nate, you have some things on the website that are buttons and links to your stuff as well, sir. So you go ahead and promote your stuff. Yeah, it's still kind of on my hiatus from Twitch, but you can still find me on Twitch, Twitter, and TikTok at Turtle Bear Man. I will start streaming at some point again eventually. Hell yeah. Oh, 
and we do uh, we do have a TikTok for the Steam Machine podcast as well. Sure, we do that. Uh, Nate put together for us. So if you'd like to go check that out, at is it just at the Steam yeah, Machine just podcast? The Steam Machine podcast just, on TikTok. Yeah. All right, and you can find us over there. Uh, Willie, got anything that you'd like to plug, promote, anything? Uh, you know that I've talked to Dennis before, and they've said that if you just use the little like handle disposable flossers that's pretty much as good as flossing and if you're like not going to do it at all unless you use the real thing then you might as well just use the little flossers so get those little flossing things <laughs> nice. they're nice i want to say i use those and they're wonderful so yeah i back that 100 percent. well all right gentlemen. i just i never enjoyed that cutting off your circulation to your fingers trying to wrap them around like they taught us you know oh, i know like you're sitting there and you're flossing and you look down and the tips of your fingers are purple and you're like oh that, that yeah. can't be fucking healthy <laughs> Yeah, floss your teeth. Don't don't be like me and have to have teeth surgery and all that kind of shit. So floss your teeth, motherfuckers. On that note, they are the brothers of destruction. My name is Dalton. Catch us next two weeks for some Planet Coaster. And as always, guys, breaking the law, breaking the vote, breaking Kowase. the tenderness. <laughs> I wish her. I wish I remembered the words to the other one of that. Baby, baby, I love you. <laughs> you love me. That's all I remember. <laughs>
Shimano continues to form alliances, including those with the Omi Alliance of Kensai and the Snake Flower Triad. In 2005, as the clan is thrown into turmoil, Shimano steps from the shadows in a new gambit to rise to the top. Following Takashi Nihara's retirement, Nikio Consortium President Masaru Sera rises to the Tojo clan chairman. There, he enjoys a long and stable reign over the eastern Japanese's Yakuza. His political connections earn a great deal of money for the Tojo clan. But in 2005, his actions send the clan into another chaotic upheaval. Dojima family patriarch Sohai Dojima became guardian of the third Tojo clan chairman Sera, but soon falls from grace. His captain, Shintaro Kazuma, assumes de facto control of the family, leaving Dojima to languish in his glorious past. On a stormy night in 1995, a gunshot rings out from the Dojima family office that will reverberate throughout Tojo clan history. Jikaimade, Kiryu. Jikamade, Yakuza. Stick around for my vocal cover of Rain from this game. We love you all. Take it easy. Oh,